hello, hello. Welcome to another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Trading. How you doing, girl? Wonderful. How the fuck are you? I'm fucking great. Good. Fuck. Tell me everything. I successfully made a poached egg yesterday. Oh my god. That's actually quite a challenge. It's so... actually wasn't. Okay, good. It's surprisingly easy. Did you make eggs, Benny? What did you make? I, I It was eggs, Benny, with like what I had. Okay. So it was like a toasted bread situation, turkey, poached eggs. Yeah. I love eggs Benedict, so there's no wrong answer for that. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and I haven't perfected a a fry, like a sunny side up egg. Oh, okay. Because like sometimes I fucking break the yolk and whatever. Yeah. I'd rather over easy it anyway. Yeah. And then there's like sometimes like the gross, like gooey shit. Yeah. That's why over easy because like it gets rid of that a little bit. Well, I learned how to kind of fix that, but I just was like fucking it up. And then YouTube. That's the answer for everything. I love it. Yes. Fuck, you know, I so appreciate the people who have, one, ultimately a lot of time on their hands. Yes. To make these videos for us. Yeah. Because there's a video for literally everything. Everything. I am not a, I, I'm a visual and kinetic learner. Yes. So recently, you know, that at work, there was an issue with this printer. Oh my God. Yeah. That is, is known to be problematic. The brand is known to be problematic. We won't dox them on this, but the brand is... Amy also has... I've had, I've had horror stories, yes. So our boss was like... She pulled up the like instruction manual, and it was just this wall of text, and it was like, via con Dios, uh, figure it the fuck yeah. out. And because I know myself, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way this is happening. No, like, I, I'm not reading this. I'm not figuring this out. It's here. not even that I'm not reading manual. it. It's it will, it's not going to process in my brain. No, like this exactly. amount of text is not going to process in my brain, especially technical shit. Are you fucking no, kidding I'm me? I'm like reading hieroglyphics at this point. Like it's useless. Correct. Yes. Correct. So I just gave it a goog. She mm. went on YouTube and within like 15 minutes it was fucking fixed. And I was like, fuck yes. I love so that. YouTube came through again and showed me how to make a poached egg. Fuck yes. And it's much easier than I anticipated. Yeah. Did you use like a little vinegar in the water? Did I you, did. Yeah, there you go. That's the I trick. heard that that's, that's because the, the the woman who did the video, she's like, I did all of the things. I was told to do salt and it fucks it up more. So vinegar, I didn't want to do because I thought it'd be a vinegary nope. egg. It's not a vinegary egg. I'm here for it. Vinegar um, is magical. I yeah, yeah. it's fucking great. Ah, uh, game changer, man. This is adulting. There you go. You can take over the world. I know hey. how to make a fucking poached egg. <laughs> You're domesticated now. Fuck. Oh, let's you're, not get crazy. You're two rungs above feral. Okay, we'll give you. I'll give you like one and a half to two. Okay, there one you go. and a half to two. Yes, there you go. <laughs> I don't know what the goal is. <laughs> That's amazing. I definitely polish off the rest of that cheesecake. So there you go. Yeah. Johnny did not eat that last piece. <laughs> Fuck him. But no, he didn't. Deserve, he didn't want it. It's fine. <laughs> oh, it was so good. What else is going on? Oh, I, oh, I, yeah, you've been watching shit. So one, I lived up to my Girl Scout promise. You did. I watched the Britney doc. Yes! Thoughts? Comments. I agree on everything. I agree about <gasps> right? everything. Everything. Oh, it's so, it's so good. It's so well done. Oh, so good. Watch it. Free Britney. Free Britney, dude. Fuck yeah. Oh, what we did to that poor girl. Like, I fucking, she yeah. didn't deserve it. It's no. fucking ridiculous. Like. No. Like, at all. No. At all. Thank you. Uh. I have had a really hard time watching, or, or finishing rather, uh, the Cecil Hotel one. Okay. I, part of it... Dude, just watch the last the last episode. I know. And like, you'll literally get the whole story and then you'll be like, oh, that's Well, one, there's just too many stupid people in the story for me to care. That's, is, that's is a That's really fact. a problem. Yes. 
the general manager Amy, not to be confused with, with our delight, amazing Amy, yes. amazing Amy, <laughs> Amy, the general manager of this is a hotel. Is like not aware that she's the general manager of this season. She hotel. thinks she's working at the goddamn Ritz, and it's the funny. Ritz in like Disney World, and it's like, I mean, like the, the bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm like, girl, you're working in a dumpster fire, like literally a what? dumpster fire that was the home to multiple serial killers, where like 80 people died during her tenure For there. Real, and then and then there's like the European couple uh. that. From the get-go, when they were introduced, I knew why they existed in the story, and I knew that the Apex, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm a critical thinker, and I could guess that this is where the reason they exist, <laughs> is to be like, hey, we drank the body water. Yeah. We, we drank the body juice water, and I knew it the second I saw them. The most horrifying And I just story, don't want to do that to no. myself. No, no, no. I don't want to do that. The internet sleuths really pissed me off in that series, too. I've heard so much of that, so that also doesn't make yeah, me want to do it. Like, They literally accused a man of murder just because... I, this might be the wrong term, but like he's basically like a goth guy. So like that's what they did to the West Memphis Three. It's fucking ridiculous. Get the fuck out of here. You know, and I'm having difficulties finishing it. I don't even know... If you if can I manage will. to just watch the last episode, watch the last episode. Yeah. That's my thought on it, but... Yeah, also I feel, why watch that when Alan versus Pharaoh <gasps> has dropped their first episode? I haven't watched it, but I definitely will because your reaction is just like, Amy. Girl, do it. Yeah. It's so good. Is it? It's Huck. so good. Trigger warning. I mean, to like everything. Like, you're listening to this podcast. You know what you're about. Right. Yeah. But it's so good. And it's that thing of, I'm an actor. I've mentioned this multiple times. In my, my tenure... Up until semi recently, I have played rather questionable and savory characters Ooh, who have my favorite kind. Right, they're yes. more fun. Yeah, of course. Definitely, I love an severely damaged. Yeah. Uh, definitely peppering some sort of substance abuse in there. Sure, they were like Monique Sanchez. As I take a drink of my drink right now. <laughs> yeah, of course. Monique Sanchez, you're our gal. So <laughs> we know what you're about, right? Ex- exactly. And the thing is, as you may have gathered from listening to this podcast, and how much of a Pollyanna and a non drug user I am I'm incredibly lame as a human being and even though I would play but they'd be like you seem like you do drugs but you even seem though you like don't. you probably <laughs> fucked four people on the way to this audition so this is what this is what's happening so a good actor I believe doesn't judge their characters and has to understand their their process because you know everyone is the hero of their own story of course just yeah. that's the reality of life. So where you fall, where your character or you in your life falls in the greater narrative of life or whatever the fuck, everyone believes they are the hero of their own story. So you, no matter how unsavory or fucked up you are, have to believe that what you're doing is right and, and just justify for whatever reason, right? Yeah. And so I'm watching Alan versus Pharaoh and you see Mia Pharaoh. And at the time that her and Woody Allen started dating, I think she had seven kids. Oh, God, girl, stop it. Oh, no, she ended up having 15. She didn't birth most of them. She just kept adopting Regardless, like, no. Girl, I know. I am not here for it. But she was, like, super hands-on mom. Like, like, girl, I feel you. I so feel you. I'm having a bless your heart moment where, like, if you want to do that and that's, like, what you're fucking all about, go for it. I'm happy for you. 10,000%. Fulfilling in your life. But personally... 
No. Girl, same. No. I didn't even want one. So like 15 is, uh Absolutely. That being said, (laughs) you see all these kids. Oh. And they're just so unimaginably cute. Aww. And all I want to do... get you, Monique. Of course. Yeah. But like all I want to do when I see them is like hug them and play with them and give them candy and ice cream and like protect them from any terrible thing happening to them ever. That is the correct response to children. Yes. So the thought of an adult harming them or slash sexually assaulting them is such a thing that I just don't understand. I just, uh, and the only thing that I keep coming back to is that this is just a mental illness. Like that's what it has to be. Because I don't understand how you can look at a six-year-old and be like, I want to fuck that. Uh, Yes. Other than you are just a mental, you're mentally unwell. Yes. And it's so good. They go like, deep and it's just the first episode do they oh fuck all right it's there it's at a level already that i didn't know like the scope i didn't know really okay shit. yeah and like and you were how many people knew oh and how many people had seen super questionable things oh no and just like the level like that and didn't say anything obviously or no girl (sighs) fucking that's no 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 no. what i when i say no i mean like no he went to a shrink to deal with this because <gasps> so many people had brought it up. Wow. Yes. And God. and this was before everything really got fucking nuts. Really? Yes. Right, I gotta watch this. It's but. so good. It's oh. it's just one episode out now, it's, obviously. It's, it's HBO okay. because they love teasing so, us. Yeah. Week by week. Week by know. week. Girl, I get it. It's so good. It's so good. I, I cannot recommend it enough. Even though it's only one episode out, like... Guys, get on it and then message us. I want to hear it. And then you'll have to be waiting with bated breath for every episode after that, of course. Yeah, of course. I also have an update (gasps) slash clarification from HBIC (gasps) Boss Babe, you know, resident medical examiner Grace. Grace! Grace! So tell me everything. So a few episodes ago, you did the... Yes, Mary Day mystery. Mary Day mystery. Did you give me all of the information? Did you find all the information? I sure did. I'm giddy right now. Like the size of my smile is just like outside the bounds of my face right now. Like I'm so ecstatic. Amy is luminous right now. Oh, thank you. She's so excited about this. Tell me everything. So Grace hit us up because she caught up on the episode. Yes. We're obsessed with you. And this is her response. Fuck yes. Holy shit. You guys asked me questions. <laughs> Girl, like, yeah. Oddly, no, te- no take backsies. <laughs> it's, yeah, again, it's the first of many, so brace <laughs> exactly. yourself. So to give context, in, in the episode, Amy was talking about the use of cadaver dogs. Yes. And we had asked a few questions about how they work and their efficacy and whatever. And we kind of very flippantly were like, Grace, girl, chime in. Tell us everything. Yeah. Like, and are they Grace legit? Yeah. is here for us because she gave us a whole response. She's amazing. We're fucking obsessed with you. Thank you so much, Grace. I can't even handle it. Yes. So here's her response. Holy shit. You guys asked me questions. So I have never had to use a cadaver dog. I usually get called after the body's found. The efficacy of a cadaver dog depends entirely upon how well-trained they are. And the thing is, smaller agencies won't have the money to train cadaver dogs. Okay. Moreover, cadaver dogs are utilized by search and rescue more than they are utilized by law enforcement. We had a guy with the local fire department who asked if we could help him train his cadaver dog because he felt the dog wasn't getting enough action. 
Unfortunately, we are not cleared to bury people for the sake of training some guy's dog. <laughs> Fair. I mean, yeah. Yes. A lot of times, amputated limbs from hospitals <gasps> will be used to train cadaver dogs, which okay. I get it, but like... Oh. That's like kind of horrifying, but also like you make the best of a bad situation. Like what what else are you gonna do with the limb? Ten thousand percent. You're gonna fucking like throw it away. It's one or of those like things that it, whatever you the fuck don't you do. think about. I would ever. never have thought of that. No. And then it's good to know. I'm glad I know this now. Now you know. Yeah. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Grace. You're incredible. I will never forget this. No, absolutely <laughs> not. This is one of those things that's gonna be added to my dinner party chat repertoire. Oh, girl. I can't, I'm already like taking like, notes to bring oh, this up later. Do you know what they do with the discarded limbs? And then they'll be like, please don't ever come back here again. I'm like, that seems fair. I would be that psycho who'd be like, I can take that home though, right? Like, it's mine. I don't they'll know what I'm you. gonna do with it, but I'll fucking figure it out. I think they like you. Oh, do they? I think so. I think you have to ask for it. <laughs> as long as you ask, it's fine. They, because yeah. if not, they'll be like, we dumped it. Yeah, like afterwards, you're yeah, like, it's in the fucking I can't have my femur? What the fuck? Yeah, my femur. <laughs> when it comes to decomposition of different animals, I can absolutely support the rotting chicken meat smells a lot like human. Hey! In fact, Ooh. the similarity is so close that I can't keep a rotisserie chicken in my fridge for more than a day before I simply have to throw it out because it smells too much like work. Oh my god, Grace! Right? You poor thing! I know, the struggle's fucking real for Grace. Holy shit, I, I didn't think it was that level though. That's crazy. I guess so. Oh, fuck. I have seen some cadaver dog trials and I will 100% support that the handlers influence the dogs. Yep. Cadaver dogs and drug dogs are not 100% by any means. I've seen police dogs do all kinds of wacky shit and their handler just shrugged. I was like, what are you expecting? He's a dog. Which, fair. Yeah. Dogs are like people, especially scent-driven dogs. Some of them have a higher affinity for the job than others. Which, again, fair. Yeah. But it's that thing that you just don't... It just doesn't occur to you. Yes. And they have, at best, the reason and capabilities of a four-year-old child. So they are a tool, but they are not a slam dunk. And if they don't get trained often enough and utilized often enough, their capacity to distinguish different decom odors will decay. Get it? Decay? Dad joke for the win. <laughs> Grace, I love you so much for making that dad joke. Like, thank you. That brought joy to my life in a way you will not understand. We are so obsessed with Grace. We can't oh, even handle amazing. it. Thank you so fucking yes. much. Yes, thank you for weighing in on that. And that's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking. Because yeah. it, really, it really is all about the training. And it is easy to influence. They want... They want to be right. They want to be right. They yeah. want to get your praise for yeah. what they're doing a hundred fucking percent. Yeah. I remember, I want to say it was after 9-11. Mm. I might be mistaking this, but because they had obviously the search and rescue dogs yeah. that were looking for people and weren't finding a lot of people mm -hmm. and the dogs were getting depressed. Mm -hmm. They would literally have people fake hide yeah. in the rubble so they could give the dogs something to find because they were getting so emotional, like quote unquote for a dog yeah. about the fact that they weren't finding yeah. anyone. And if they were finding people, they weren't alive. So they had to do that just to like keep the dog's spirits up in a way. Yeah, for sure. If, uh, I don't know if I'm, I don't think I mentioned this in the other episode, but if you've ever worked on a film or TV set where they use animals, they have multiple copies quote unquote of the animal yes like have, very like, similar looking similar dogs animals, or cats like, or whatever like that they three to five yeah whatever. train and, them in and out sort of thing right and they try to use twins for shit exactly yeah. we'll see with the twins it's a little bit more that 
well, with kids rather. With child labor laws. With child, this yeah. child labor laws, like they can't work past a certain amount of time, yeah. so that's why you switch them out. But with animals, the thing that's interesting is I was working on a Coen Brothers movie many years ago uh, that had to do with a, a cat. And I, I chatted with the, the animal trainer, and I believe they had three cats to play this one role. Okay. And the thing is, it's not that one, of course, you have the multiple cats or animals, rather. If one of them is just like misbehaving or is just like not having it, then you switch them out. Yeah. But the thing that more often is the case is that take after take after take, they think they're fucking it up. So then they start doing something different. Oh. And then you have to switch them out. Interesting. Yeah. That never would have occurred to me, honestly. Exactly. Me neither. Like, you're making me do this again, even though I did it perfectly. The first I did time. it the last yeah. three times perfect. You're making me do it again. So it's obviously because you I'm doing else. it wrong. Yes. You want a different thing. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, which of course wouldn't occur to you because you're like, no, we just need another angle or we need, yeah. which a cat doesn't fucking understand that. Obviously. Exactly. And I feel like you're also not like, I don't want to say like putting yourself in the dog's shoes, but you're not thinking of them as of thinking of it like that because they're an animal. Why would they think like, oh, okay, I did this, I did this the exact same three different times and you're still making me do it. So obviously you want a different you thing. You want a different me. thing. Yeah. So I totally get that with like the 9-11 dogs of them being like, I'm doing something wrong because I'm not finding the thing. Yeah. 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 Heartbreaking. Really. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Grace, though. Grace. I fucking, I love that I just like ranted at you in an episode and you were like, uh, girl, I got you. I got you. Um, Grace has a book coming out soon. Yeah, uh, Called Dead Men's Donuts. You could follow the book's Instagram at yes. dead period men's period donuts. Uh, and she has a lot of really funny, cool shit. She's just amazing. Her story was amazing. I, I'm super oh my excited God. to read the book. I'm super excited for the book to come out. So I can't wait. Support Grace. Like, yeah, support Grace. We're going to find out from Grace when that book drops so that we can let all you guys know to... Girl, I'm reading it. I'm oh my God. It. Yes. I can't wait. I'm obsessed. Obsessed. Grace. We don't deserve you. I know. We don't deserve you. I don't know how you stumbled across us and brought us into your lives, but yes, please. How that happened is I followed her on Instagram. Oh shit. Is that how it happened? Damn. And then I I saw that she was a medical examiner and then I was like, hey, you probably have some weird stories. Is that? Oh my God. Yeah, that's how that happened. You're (laughs) amazing. In case nobody realizes, Monique runs our Instagram by herself. <laughs> like I don't deal with that in any way, shape or form. And you're fucking amazing. Thank you do you. such a good job and I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Cause it is not something that I one would be good at or two would be able to tolerate in any way, shape or form. Cause that I is get that. not the person I am. I mean, me neither, but, me neither, but you're still, <laughs> you're still doing it and you're amazing. And I appreciate it to no end. But I super love uh, interacting with all you guys. Yes. I, I'm the one who messages all of you guys back. Uh, She's the one, man. A comment or anything. If another fucking horror podcast says something to you, that is 100% Monique. Yeah. Amy is not in the picture. (laughs) Amy is editing behind the scenes. That's right. She's editing so that there is an episode. Yes. So that you guys can listen to it and be our fans. Yes. But you were talking to Monique. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's how, that's how Grace came to be. Oh, (laughs) amazing. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. I love you. Thank you. I love you. For all the things you do. Oh, likewise. Aw. So much. And Amy made our amazing tote that is going to somebody. Because we will have announced that by the time this comes out. Yes. Whoever you are that want it, I'm very jealous because the tote's amazing, as you saw on Instagram. It's legit. It's It's legit. legit. Capital A, capital F. I'm glad it turned out okay. I hadn't used a sewing machine, like I said, in 10 plus years, so. It's so good. 
<sighs> I had fun. I had fun. I felt, I, I don't want to say my uh, pioneer roots because I obviously did not have <laughs> an advanced sewing machine like I did, but I felt very, uh, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sew for the day. Very self-sufficient. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's really cool. Girl, I almost broke down. I poached an egg and I was super excited. So you like made a toast. There you go. That's very amazing. There was a point where I almost broke down and called my grandmother because I couldn't fucking figure out how to like thread the bobbin and figure some fucking shit out. But did you YouTube it? I did. And guess what? YouTube is everything. Guess what? I fucking figured it out on my own via YouTube. So thank you. And just like Google in general where I was like, hey. Heroes of YouTube. Here's what's going on. What the fuck is up? And they were like you might need to adjust this dial. And I was like, you are correct. I did need to adjust that dial. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, heroes, so yeah, man. heroes. Heroes of YouTube. I love it. I was like, I feel bad. I didn't even like thumbs up them or anything. I was just like, all right, now I fixed it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a trash human. <laughs> no, I'll do the like. I'll be like, and then maybe be like, thumbs up. yes, Yay! thank you. That's hysterical. Anything else? No, I think that's pretty much it. Do you have a spooky story for me, Monique? Sometimes they're not spooky, so I just feel bad, like, prefacing it with that, of, like, like volleying that up. Yeah. Um, I think it's spooky. It's, like, it's fucking weird. Ooh! I mean, you know, I love weird, girl. Yeah. I don't know why, but when I was thinking about this week, I was like, I feel like Monique's gonna have a personal story for me this week. (gasps) No. Nope. All right. No. I am wrong. My psychic abilities are null. It is a... (laughs) Although, although, to do a side psychic story... Uh, I, I heard from someone recently that I knew I was going to hear from because of my my spidey senses. Ooh. And in the days before I heard from this person, <laughs> I very much had a visceral you got the tingle, feeling yeah. of this person's thinking of me right now. Ooh. That like walk on your grave? Yeah. What? Oh. Never mind. Sorry. No, what is this? I, don't, I feel like that's like a old... Like it might be. I'm Cuban. We don't have the same. No, no. I think it's like an old. I feel like it's an old Southern thing. It's like when Mm. you get a chill or whatever it is. But that's like supposed to be like quote unquote somebody walking over your grave. I don't. But you're not dead though. Exactly. (laughs) The South is fucking wild. I'll have to look this up because I feel like I'm making something up right now. But I swear I'm not. I swear this is like a thing people say. I feel disregard all of this. Like I already am like ashamed that we've gone down this fucking like rabbit hole that we should not have gone down. Like no. So I hear from this person on the day that the signs are just so, because while I talked about Sylvie Brown being a sham psychic last week, because she is. She is. Fraud. She's a fraud and a piece of shit. Yeah. Bold italicized. Yeah. Whatever you, whatever word you want to use. Right. I don't consider myself to be a psychic at all, but I do have like things that happen where I know certain things. Yes. So, and then I will know certain things more because like, for instance, with this specific person, I always get like signs about this person almost on a daily basis, but the signs were at like a fucking 11. Oh, Like okay. this person's name was everywhere. What they wow. did was everywhere. Like first name, last name, initials. What? Where they live. Like, but it, like every it's like here in your 10 face. minutes yeah. or so, like it came up. In another thing. Crazy. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to hear from this person very soon. So I heard from the person that night. Of course. Of course. Of course. And then we're talking after several months of not talking. And then I go, hey. And several days before, I had very viscerally felt that this person was thinking of me. So I go, hey, super weird question. Were you thinking of me a few days ago? (laughs) 
which is the weirdest thing. Which is like thing. such a weird, like, yes. Especially when you haven't spoken to someone in months. It's fucking weird. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I would not even think to ask that question. Like, I, and you're because like, I, okay, yeah, whatever. I ask the question... I don't ask a question normally. If I ask a question like that, it's because I know the answer. Yes. And you're either yes. going to lie to me or not. Exactly. But I know the answer. And the reality is, is that the recipient of the question knows that I know the answer, answer. to it. Yes. Whether they I want to admit asking, it or not. Yeah. If I didn't already know. If I didn't know, even though there's no reason for you at all to know that I would know this. But I do. But I do. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler. And while in the entire exchange, that was the one that... Uh, yielded the longest pause between in a response. <laughs> That's how you know it's a good fucking question. I think it was like, just like, I don't uh, know how to answer this. Well, facts, yes. And then yielded the longest ellipses in oh, the texting. That's always fun, right? I mean, because I know that you the, know. I know the answer was changed mid-type. <laughs> then it was like, yeah, on this day from this time to this time. And I was like, that is so specific that right? I don't I was know like, why does you know that? if you're fucking with me or not. He's like, no, I very viscerally remember thinking of you from this time to this time. Weird. On this okay. day. And I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, like why? He's like, he and gave the most wishy-washy answer because I, I psychically know why he was. A hundred fucking percent. So wait, the time he I don't, stated coincided with the time you were like, this dude's thinking of me. This I don't recall. I don't recall the time because I was like, was it the morning? Like, I, I don't remember, but I remember very viscerally being like, oh my God, this person's thinking of me. Shit. And then him like listing off several other instances where he's like, oh, and I did this and I thought of you and I did. And I was like, I mean, you think of me a lot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're like listing all these times then yeah. Obviously, I'm the bomb.com. I mean, I think of you a lot, so I get it. I mean, likewise. Yeah. So that'll be, that's my personal... <laughs> Personal story. Like, I love it. Personal story. There, there was a, there's this series of memes going around that it's my toxic trait is, oh. and then you insert whatever. How long do you have? Real but, talk. But it, it's, <laughs> I've got a few. It runs the full gamut. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So I saw one that was my toxic trait is I'm psychic. So even if you didn't tell me a thing happened, I know because I know. Oh. And I sent this to a friend of mine I who knows this story and she's like, better like facts. But like, like, yes. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. So no, it's not. It's not a personal story. <laughs> I was like, trying to even get into this. Yes. Uh, it's not a personal story, but I had to. I had to satiate Amy's lust for a personal yes, story. So I, I gave need, a little one. I need a good personal story. Yeah. So I gave her the little. Thank you. The little nugget. I love it. I love a nugget. You know. There you yeah. go. It's fucking weird, and I mm. didn't give me all your weird shit, Oni. I wasn't. Oh fuck yeah! I wasn't aware to like the level that this went. Oh shit girl so today i'm gonna be talking about doppelgangers <gasps> i'm so I'm like happy that's your response yes first of all the word doppelganger is one of my favorite fucking words period girl and i, got I you. fucking love this okay before this even starts give it to me i was <laughs> i was going to meet my dad in las vegas mm -hmm. for whatever reason we hadn't seen each other in a few years he happened to be going i was whatever, kind of down in New York at the time. And he was like, come, yeah, I already got this trip planned. Like, come join me in Vegas. We'll go to Area 51 and we'll do the extra real highway. Of course, we're we'll, going to Area 51. Oh my God, I'm so course, obsessed with you. Of course, <laughs> like, What else was I going to do? So I am flying to go meet him and I have a layover in North Carolina. And my dad is taking, flying from Florida. I'm flying from New York. Totally separate flights. Mm -hmm. There's no reason. We don't have the same layover. We have no reason to be in the same airport whatsoever. And I know this for a fact. Yeah. And I'm waiting in the airport and I look up 
and I see who I think is my father. Get the fuck out. To the point that I get up. I, he's wearing a sweater my father fucking owns, no. first of all. And my dad is like shaved head goatee, which is like a very distinct look. Sure. And is one of those things that like, if you see it on a lot of people, it starts to look very familiar sometimes. But also there's like height and build and stuff. Yes. Same height, same build. Like, oh my God, genuinely. Like he looked just like my fucking dad to the point that I walked up to a strange man in an airport. I knew my father was not in 100%. And I... This, like, makes me feel viscerally upset, as I'm telling you. I touched this man's arm. I made direct eye contact with this man, realized he did not know who the fuck I was. Oh, because, shit. obviously, this was not my father in any way, shape, or form. I don't think I even said anything to him after I realized it wasn't my dad. I just, like... You just fucked off and I just, away. like, got awkward and, like, very flustered and just was like, oh, I'm so sorry, and just, like, walked away. Like, I literally walked up to a stranger in an airport and touched him because I swear to God, I met my dad's fucking doppelganger. So I'm here for this 100%. I'm so excited that you are. <sighs> I'm sorry. Side tangent, obviously. I no, to... I'm oh. obsessed. See, because there are other podcasts that do paranormal stuff as well. And every every single episode is a haunted house. And haunted that's house. cool. Or aliens. Or, yeah. It's girl. like the same thing Cryptid. over and over. Yes, it's like, yes. Girl, I get it. And at some point, like, every haunted house is kind of the fucking same. Especially it if it's week after week after week. Yes. So, like, switching it up. Girl. Ultimately, this is just us talking about the shit we're interested in. Yes. Yeah. So, talking about doppelgangers mm. today. Also, I have to say, for the record, New York is the city of doppelgangers. Like, it is that place mm. that I walk down the street. I'm like, is that fucking so-and-so? And I'm like, nope. Just somebody who happens to look exactly like them. Yeah. We're going to so, get into it, girl. I'm here for this. Okay, so first, we're going to start with our sources. The Sun, Wikipedia.com, Liveabout.com, TreePony.com, Medium.com, Bustle.com, and AtlasObscura.com, which if you've never been on Atlas Obscura, they're fucking amazing. I don't think I have. They yeah. have a lot of really cool, weird, macabre, Ooh. like geographic shit, <gasps> history shit. Checking them out, yes. They're fucking great. They're a great resource, especially if you're if you're listening to us, it's because you're the, into this kind of shit. Yeah. Atlas Obscura has amazing stuff to, to quench all of that for you. Dude, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, a doppelganger is a biologically unrelated lookalike or a double of a living person. The German word, which translates to double walker was first introduced by German author Jean Paul in his 1796 novel... I'm going to take a stab in the dark at this one. Is it a long German word, I'm guessing? No, it's just oh, okay. uh, Seibenkus. Sure. Sure. Come well, for me if it's that. not. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not German. In which the protagonist exchanges identities with his friend, who also happens to be a lookalike. Today, the word doppelganger is often used as a slang to describe any person who physically resembles another person, a.k.a. a twin stranger, a.k.a. The stranger that Amy thought was her dad. I thought he was my dad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, stranger, if you're out there. <laughs> I touched your arm inappropriately in an airport. I oh. was expecting that story to, like, escalate. Like, I smacked him on the butt. And no. Like, hey. Oh, my God. But I, I touched, like, I don't touch people. I'm not a big, sure. like, touchy person out the gate. Like, if I know mm -hmm. you, it's fine. But I mean, same. I grabbed his a fucking arm. I don't even remember. I feel like he was with people. I feel like he was with his, he wasn't alone. And I just, like. Do you think it's even. possible that, like, if he was with a wife, that he was like, she was like, who the <gasps> fuck was that? And that that was the most tense plane ride back. And that whenever they have a fight, being like, you still haven't owned up to who's, I fucking know your bullshit. I know what you've been fucking doing. <laughs> I wish you 
reaction right now because I'm genuinely so horrified by it. If that is the case, I feel so fucking bad. I'm so sorry because that was totally an innocent me just being ridiculous. And I, oh my god, Amy's I really, eyes are tearing like, up. Is it because this is funny or because you're it's horrified? Fun. It's, I'm genuinely, I'm getting like tearing because I'm like laughing, but I'm also very uncomfortable. Oh my no, God. No, it's fine. If that's the case, then I we shouldn't be married. Even, I never <laughs> even thought of this, Monique. And like, now I'm so horrified that I ruined this strange man's marriage because I thought it was my dad. <laughs> One, if that's happening, that marriage needed to go. So don't worry. But I'm the, like my cheeks hurt. I thought <laughs> you just This is supposed to be a joke. Oh my God. I didn't mean to like... I love that so much. No, the only reason I think this is because oh I I would go to a lot of burlesque um, shows. Okay. And there are, are, are places where burlesque performances happen that are more, like, muggle-friendly. Yeah, of course. So you would see a straight couple walk in, not really understand what burlesque was. Oh, okay, yeah. And then see, see the straight man of the couple, like, having this... Okay, do I look? Or do, do I, I not? not look? Yeah. Because if I look, like, what is the cost of me looking even though we paid to come to this thing? Am I going like, to be in the doghouse for two weeks because I fucking looked exactly. at this pasty-covered tits? Like, and what then, is the deal? Yeah. And then Nellie and I would, like, watch this happen. <gasps> and we would place bets being like, okay, are they having the fight when they get home? Ooh. Or are they not discussing it? And six months later, it comes out in another fight. It's like, six months, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you got to oh. repress that, that white, like... Anger needs to be repressed. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, obviously. This is always a white couple that this is happening. I don't have quite, no. There's dockers and topsiders and windbreakers galore. <laughs> <laughs> so the only reason I brought that up is because I've witnessed it. I've I've always found it very funny. Oh my God. No, it's hysterical. <laughs> I, that was mostly laughter, but also just me like that had never occurred to me. So if I really did like fuck up this man's marriage, I will feel so bad because it was such a stupid, honest mistake that like, If oh that God. fucked up the marriage, he needed to not That's that marriage. That's fair. Okay. So. That makes me feel better. Thank you're, you. you're good. Doppelgangers. Tell me more. Doppelgangers. I'm sorry. We're, it's all good. I'm already like getting you on tangents. No, we're all good. It's all good. So in the common parlance of our times, it's someone who physically resembles another person. Yes. In fiction and mythology, a doppelganger is often portrayed as a ghostly or paranormal phenomenon and is usually seen as a harbinger of bad luck. Ooh. Yeah, girl. I didn't know that. Shit. Same. I always just thought it was like your twinsies. Yeah. No, your, this, this your goes deep. Your mother from another mother. Yeah. Yeah, this goes deep. Ooh. How deep, Monique? Tell me. You watch your mouth. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> For the record. While the word was coined in the late 18th century, the concept of alter egos and spirit doubles has appeared in folklore, myths, traditions, and religious concepts of many cultures for thousands of years throughout human history. Holy shit. Across Europe and parts of Africa, changelings were thought to be supernatural children left by fairies in place of sickly human infants. Which, if you saw Outlander, there's like a whole plot point went, ugh. Oh, Jamie. It's amazing. I'm not super up on the show, but I am that person that read every single book and was upset. Not only read them, but like reread them. Like yeah, I because them in it's high like porn. It's, it's I mean, porn. Big time. Yes. It, and obviously I'm here for it. Like uh, 10,000 yes. percent. People be oh. like fucking Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades ain't no. shit for lots of reasons. And no. also that's abuse. It's not consent. It's abuse. Don't be into Fifty Shades. And if you're into BDSM literature, there's good BDSM literature that's not Fifty Shades of Grey. Facts. Facts. But Outlander. Outlander. Get on it. It's so oh, fuck. Oh. It's... And seriously, like, if you're a reader, 
read the fucking books, dude. Mm. They're so good. They're so well written. They're fucking amazing. I've reread them. They're so good. Yeah. So there is a plot point in one of the episodes where this couple leaves a sickly baby in the woods for the fairies to like swap him out basically. Mm -hmm. And the belief was that if they came back the next day, either the baby would be cured by the fairies. If the baby was dead because you left it in the wild and the fucking elements and it's a goddamn fucking baby. What happened was, is that the fairies came and switched out the baby with a changeling. Yes. And that your baby was actually safe in like the fairyland, living a grand old baby time. And now you had this fairy baby to raise yeah. space. Yeah. And then the other concept, which I don't think they really touch on in the show, is like changelings could also be super nefarious, and that a fairy baby yes. would switch it out and be like, "I'm the baby now." Like, <laughs> hey, you had no idea. You had like, no idea. We stole your baby, baby. Yes. but I'm the baby. Yes, now. yes, yes. So it's a thing, apparently. In ancient Egyptian mythology, a ka was a tangible spirit double, having the same memories and feelings as the person to whom the counterpart belongs. In Norse mythology, Verdegger, I'm I'm gonna guess that that's how you pronounce it, because it's one of these that has the the O with the line through it, oh. so fuck, I have I no know, idea. I don't know what to do with that. Dude, yeah. I'm keeping from Miami Beach. I'm sorry. That's what's happening. Like, if it's not an Enya, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, an Enya or a Tide? Yeah, I don't know what is going on. Right. So a Verdegger is a ghostly double who is seen performing the person's actions in advance. In Finnish mythology, this phenomenon is described as having an Etienne, or a first-comer. English and Irish literature in the 18th and 19th centuries speaks of the fetch, which in Francis Gross's provincial glossary of 1787 is defined as and the apparition of a living person. An ethereal double whose appearance, like the doppelganger, signaled death. The Anku, found in Brenton, Cornish, and Norman folklore, was also believed to be the personification of death. Throughout history, people have feared coming face to face with their doppelganger. A doppelganger was often believed to be an evil twin that wanted to steal their lives or cause trouble for them. Jesus. All this right. is like yeah. nefarious oh as fuck. Oh my god. People feared the malicious double would plant sinister ideas in their human version's head and try to provide purposefully harmful or malicious advice to their real-life counterpart. So it was always strongly advised never to trust them or communicate with them under any circumstances. All right. Then there are those that believed encountering your double meant that they were about to die. Coming face-to-face with your doppelganger is one of the worst omens of all. It meant that death was just around the corner. If a doppelganger was seen by a person's friend or loved one, it meant that the real version would soon fall ill or was currently in a dangerous situation. Thing is, doppelganger sightings have been reported throughout history. And these real accounts of people seeing their doubles almost never ends well for them. (gasps) Fuck, dude. One of the most famous examples of someone who met their doppelganger was when American President Abraham Lincoln... (gasps) Saw his lookalike in 1860. Wait. No, he's so distinctive looking. Like, of all the people to have a doppelganger, I would not have picked Abraham Lincoln in any way, shape, or form. Like, he does not have a generic look at all. And clearly, with the dreams and everything, there's There's some shit going on here. You know, I believe that there are people who, either they're channels or they're just, like, open to to the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Either everyone is just super capitalizing on this unfortunate or, you know, tragic thing that happened yes. to him. 
or or he just like he was a channel been, for yeah, shit like he this. may have been in touch with that so in 1860 shortly after he was elected for the first time he came across his doppelganger shit <clears throat> he supposedly saw his reflection doubled in the mirror with one face beside the other he saw this apparition three times author noah brooks wrote in his 1895 book that the president saw his reflection that was quote nearly at full length but my face had two separate and distinct images end quote and one was quote a little paler say five shades than the other end quote wow his wife mary todd lincoln was certain that the paleness of the other image was a bad omen and a vision meaning that he would serve his first full term but not live to finish the second <gasps> A prediction that, Girl, as we all know, yeah, came true. That is that is a fact. Shit. Yeah. Catherine the Great, who was Empress of Russia between 1762 and 1796. <gasps> Pause if you haven't watched The Great on Hulu. Please, please stop and watch it. It was amazing to the point that I thought it was a show that Johnny would not get into. And he was as entertained as I was, if not more. So go for it. I'm into it. Catherine the Great, who was Empress of Russia between 1762 and 1796, claimed to have one night seen her own ghostly doppelganger sitting on her throne. <gasps> she was lying in bed when her servants told her that they had seen the Empress enter the throne room. <gasps> so she stormed in there and ordered the guards to shoot the specter. <gasps> While it is unknown if the ghost survived the shower of bullets, Catherine died soon thereafter. Fuck. So the servants saw it. Yeah. Oh. It was like. That's eerie. That's very eerie. Okay. Right? Queen Elizabeth I reported to her confidants that she saw herself lying very still and looking rather sickly while attempting to rest. Soon after the reported incident, she too passed on. Jesus. While visiting Pisa, Italy, 29-year-old English poet Percy Blythe Shelley and husband of Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. There you yep. go. Yeah. I, most people don't know that. Hey, so there you go. That's why, that's why we stick together, oh, kid. Yeah. I'm obsessed with you. So Percy Blythe Shelley met with a hooded doppelganger who, upon revealing his face, said but two words, siete satisfato, which means, are you satisfied? Ooh. Which, I hey. mean, is the creepiest shit. I mean, you, I you like, talk about sexual like, hey, like, get over here. Let's, let's, <laughs> You're let's like, get some are, satisfaction up in this Are we bitch. going to an eyes yeah, wide show party? Like, what's what's happening? Hey. Yeah, I'd be like, don't, ew, you no. Knew, you knew what I was going Of course yeah. I did. Of course. That's why we're partners. I'm obsessed with you. Obsessed. I would be super freaked out by this, but this <laughs> is like, the, yin yeah. and, the yin and the yang. I'm like, what are you bringing to the table? Let's do this. <laughs> kind of satisfaction you talking. On July 18th, 1822, Shelley drowned in the Bay of Spezia near Lerici in Italy shortly before his 30th birthday. Then there are instances of doppelgangers that, to me, are at least more visitations from the ghost of someone who has passed very recently. Interesting. Okay. That's how I'm interpreting okay. these situations. You chime in and let me know. Sure. Isaac Walton claimed that the English metaphysical poet John Donne was visited by his wife's doppelganger while he was visiting Paris in 1612. Donne's wife, who had been pregnant at the time, appeared to be holding a newborn baby. Little did he know that at the same moment that the doppelganger appeared, his wife had given birth to a stillborn child. <gasps> Fuck, dude. This story first appeared in a biography of Dunn that was published in 1675, more than 40 years after Dunn had died. However, the author attributed the story to, quote, a person of honor 
told with such circumstances and such asseveration that I verily believe he that told it to me did himself believe it to be true. End quote. Okay. Okay. English writer and friend of Dunn's Isaac Walton also related a similar tale about the poet's experience. However, scholars have questioned the veracity of both accounts as they differ on crucial details. Because on this podcast, we give all the sides. Yes. I'm not just gonna... That's something also that pisses me off about other paranormal podcasts of like... We'll just like tell you... The, like the we'll Amity House... what works for the story. Right. Like yeah. the Amity Horror House is not haunted. No. Like, like Ed and Lorraine Warren are trash people and they're like opportunistic. Yeah. Like don't sell it as that when there's so much evidence saying that it's not true. Yes. And like you're like, oh, it's the most haunted house in America. So, don't fucking no. do that. Or Bullshit. you could do that and then be like, this is all the evidence saying it's not. Yes. And then you decide just like based off of that. Up to you. So we like doing that here in case you haven't noticed from the last couple episodes I've done yeah. being like, PSCs are trash people. <laughs> this is not real. Yeah. We're about it. Yeah. There's the story of George Tryon. On June 22nd, 1893, during a dinner party being held by his wife at their family home in Eaton Square, London, the appearance of Vice Admiral Sr. George Tryon was said to have walked through the drawing room looking straight ahead without exchanging a word to any of the several guests at the party. Which, like, rude. Say hi, at least. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, the Vice Admiral was on a ship in the (gasps) Mediterranean squadron. So he's not dead, obviously. Fuck! Okay. Doppelgangers, man. Well, he's he's on a fucking ship. Yeah. Like, while this dinner... Imagine having a dinner party. Okay. And your husband walks oh through God. the door, yeah. beelines it through the party, doesn't say hello to anyone, and you're oh. like... And this is 1893, so it's not like he, he hopped the red eye. It's like... No. Excuse me, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, hey, hi, hello. You're, yes. You're on a ship maneuvering off the coast of Syria, not near London. Yeah, he just popped over for just, like, cocktails. No. And he didn't even, like, say hi to anyone. I know. Rude. So, subsequently, it was reported that he had gone down with his ship, (gasps) the HMS Victoria, that very same night. After it collided with the HMS Camperdown, following an unexplained and bizarre order to turn the ship in the direction of the other vessel. Okay. So is this possible this is not a doppelganger? This is some sort of, like, immediate ghostly situation? Well, see, that's what I was saying. Okay, okay. That, like, there's different... Levels. There's different this. levels. Yeah, and sure. while that's considered a doppelganger, to me, it seems like... A little It's more just the ghost ghosty. of yes. that person. Yes, So, but you, you, you know, mm. choose your own adventure, yeah. make your own assumption. <laughs> Which... page 23, whatever you want to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then... There are accounts that can be filed under the what in the actual fuck tab, like French novelist Guy de Maupassant. Sure, not French. That's not legit as fuck, though. I'm not gonna lie. I know how to fake some accents. I'm not great at accents. (laughs) Don't ever hire me to do an accent thing. I'm really good at them. And his crazy as fuck anecdote where he was inspired to write the short story, no, titled He? Question mark. After a disturbing doppelganger experience in 1889, while writing, de Maupassant claimed that his body double entered his study, sat beside him, and began dictating the story he was in the process of writing. Which, what the fuck? I'm like, is that helpful? Do I appreciate the help? Or am I like, get the fuck out of here, I'm working on something. I mean, maybe if I would finally stop screaming. (laughs) It would be helpful. 
But I would, this is a situation that I could stop screaming. Where I start screaming and never stop. That's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. In the story, the narrative is being told by a young man who's convinced that he's going crazy after having glimpsed what appears to be his body double. Yeah. That's what the fucking story ends up being about. Fuck. For the novelist who claimed to have had numerous encounters with his doppelganger, his short story proved to be somewhat prophetic. At the end of his life, de Maupassant was committed to a mental institution following a suicide attempt in 1892. The following year, he died. It has been suggested that de Maupassant's visions of his body double may have been linked to mental illness caused by syphilis, which he had contracted as a young man, which... Hey, oh, that's a fucking bummer. Yeah. And, and it, facts, it's totally happens. could have been a yes, thing. Yeah. You do lose your mind at the fucking end yeah. if it's untreated. 100%. I don't know if it creates like uh, visual hallucinations, if that type of mental deterioration yeah. does. I, I'm not aware either. I don't either. Honestly. But it's, it's like, it's possible. We're, we're given the facts. Yes. Fun fact. I learned about this syphilis doing this to you via Outlander. Fun fact. No oh. spoilers, but yes, that happened in later on in Outlander that I was like, oh shit, I did not know that was like a thing. Oh, and I can't believe I didn't fucking bring <gasps> this up at the top, at the tippy top. Tell me. Super side note, but important to every person listening. The Nick is now available on HBO Max. Fuck, dude. Oh, I'm actually really excited God. because that was the only reason I hadn't watched it was like I had yeah, to Yeah, because it's on like Cinemax or I had to like shit. sign up for some other shit or something and I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, whatever. Girl, it's I'm available on, it. on HBO Max. I'm on it. Drop everything you're doing. Done. Even pause this. I don't give a fuck. It's so good. <laughs> okay, the first episode is really graphic. I mean, it's the Nick. It's about like fucking surgery and fucking autopsy. Right. It, like it's that. a very like graphic. That. However, if you don't tap out of the first episode, everything else is not even remotely that graphic. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Like the first one is is a lot. Good to know. Thank you. Syphilis is also a plot line. In, hey, in I mean, just the times. I get it. It's the times. This yeah. is before penicillin. So yeah, it shit. was a fucking thing. Yeah. So yeah, my next line, which sure, maybe he was hallucinating because he was riddled with syph. That's possible. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's a possibility. But what about the report of Emily Sag, the 32-year-old French woman who was a teacher at an exclusive girls' school near Walmar or present-day Latvia? One day in 1845, while Emily was writing on the blackboard, her exact double appeared beside her. What? The doppelganger precisely copied the teacher's every move as she wrote, except that the doppelganger was not holding chalk. So basically every time she wrote something, this double next to her was writing the same shit. Get the fuck out of here. 13 students in the classroom witnessed this <gasps> event. I was going to say to the kids, like, yeah, they're like, well, what is what's actual going fun? on? Yeah. Over the next year, Emily's doppelganger was seen several times. The most astonishing instance of this that took place was in full view of the entire student body of 42 students on a summer day in 1846. As they sat at the long tables working, they could see Emily in the school's garden gathering flowers. When the teacher left the room to talk to the headmistress, Emily's doppelganger appeared in the chair while the real Emily could still be seen in the garden. Two girls approached the phantom and tried to touch it, (gasps) but felt an odd resistance in the air surrounding it. Interesting. Also, like, good for you girls. Right? I don't know that I would be that No, not at all. I kudos that to an extreme, yes. Absolutely. Fuck. The image then slowly vanished. I know it was the 1800s, but 
I don't think an entire student body had syphilis. So no, yeah, especially like they're fucking young children. How are they? Yeah, yeah. to have forty-two people see a thing, crazy. That's yeah. crazy. And also because you could even be like, she had a twin. Someone looked like her. Yeah, but they don't just disappear in front of you. No, no, or Jesus. appear randomly. Then there's the belief that doppelgangers might have something to do with quantum leaping or time and dimensional shifts. Yes! No one can see me, but I'm is so raising the roof. excited right now. <laughs> I'm legit so excited. This is shit I live for. 18th century German poet Johann Wolfgang von Goethe wrote of confronting his doppelganger in his autobiography, Poetry and Truth. In this account, which is like just thrown in for funsies. There oh, okay, was no sure. like what? gravitas yeah. put to this. It's just like, oh, P.S. BT dubs this happen. Yeah. Johann describes traveling to the city of Drusenheim to visit Friedrika Brion, a young woman that he was having an affair with. Emotional and lost in thought, Johann looked up to see a man dressed in a gray suit, trimmed in gold, who appeared briefly and then vanished. Eight years later, Johann was again traveling on the same road and again to visit the woman that he was having the affair with when he realized that he was wearing the same gray suit with gold trim that he had seen his double wearing eight years earlier. Holy shit. Right? Eerie. Okay. Because you've definitely had like deja vu stuff. Oh, yes. You know my relationship with deja vu. Yeah. Which I don't get it a lot and... It sounds so. It sounds so. It sounds so ridiculous. Like I don't really have like an, any sort of like intense feelings. Like I don't think I'm having prophecies with my deja vu or anything. But everyone always says like deja vu is like oh it's because you do all of these tasks in your day to day life and it's just your brain trying to make sense of this. Mm-hmm. I really only get deja vu when I'm in a new place mm-hmm. with new people mm-hmm. or I'm doing something that like I've never done before. Yeah, like, that is when deja vu hits me and I'm like. Fuck. Like, I'll be, like, walking in a place I know for sure I've never been before, and I'll get deja vu. Yeah. And it's always, it's just fucking very eerie, and it always feels very significant yeah, to didn't, me. Didn't you have one the first day we recorded the podcast? I did. The first day we recorded the podcast, I had deja vu while I was sitting and, like, finishing typing up my story. It's one of those things. Like, I use my computer very sparingly. I really never used it in that room doing research like I was. And I got such a clear moment of deja vu while I was sitting and typing things out for the podcast that I, it was one of those things where like, it felt very intentional. It felt very visceral, right? Yes. And momentous almost in a way. So clearly it means you're going to be wildly successful. Yes. I mean, I'm not denying this in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get that. That's like the one weird thing with me. Like deja vu is just like, I'll get it. I don't know how to explain it. Like very sparingly, and it, but it'll be like the most nothing. It'll be like holding this thing and putting it down in this way is yeah. the thing that I very specifically feel a deja vu about. For sure, you know, it's yes. not anything more than it's very. It's like a very focused. It's not like the scene. It is one one little like, task you're doing. Yes, in that. yeah, and it's it, it it is the point of view of that task. That's the deja vu. Yes, it's yes. me seeing. My shoe that's this color on this sidewalk next to this thing is an immediate deja vu. It's, so it's something like that. Yes. It's a very, like a snapshot. 
Yes. The one I had before our like podcast related one, it was like I had gone for an interview at this like fancy restaurant that was mm-hmm. on this small island that I lived on Vashon. And I was walking downstairs because she was giving me a tour of the building into this basement area. And again, I've never been to this place before. It was not similar. I grew up in Florida. There's no fucking basements in yeah. Florida. Like, so I really don't have a lot of experience just like in a basement. Walk, in a basement, walking down into a basement. And I got such clear deja vu walking behind her down this very narrow staircase that it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, like I am where I should be in my life at this point. Yeah, because you it, like, loved felt intentional. working there, right? Yeah, I really did. It was an amazing restaurant. Shout out Bramble House on Vashon Island if you've never been there. Fucking amazing. Leah Lira. She's an amazing chef. Oh my God, I can't even express to you the amount of delicious food I've had in her presence. Like, oh, she's amazing. I love it. So yes, sorry. Side no, note. No, it's No, it's great. Because, well, here's the interesting thing is that, so Johan, so he later writes about this. He says that this encounter comforted him. After he and his young love had parted at the end of the visit, it wasn't a scary thing. I it, get was, that. it was yeah. something that I was like, oh. Yes, yeah. this feels intentional. This feels, yeah. yes, 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 yes. So it, it's it's interesting because I read that and I was like, I oh, don't I feel I would feel that way. Yeah. But apparently that's a thing. No, I totally get that. And it does. It feels it feels purposeful. It makes yeah. you feel like, okay, like I'm on the right track. I'm like yeah. having a moment where like this is familiar to me. Yeah, that's what it seems like Like Johan felt like. Johan, I fucking get it, dude. Yeah. These paranormal body doubles typically manifest themselves in one of two ways. As a doppelganger or as bilocation. Ooh. So the difference is that a doppelganger is a shadow self that is believed to accompany every person and can be a harbinger of death, whereas bilocation is the psychic ability to either spontaneously or willingly project an image of the self in a second location. What? Tell me everything. I'm gonna. What? This body double, known as a wraith, is indistinguishable from a real person. So they're not like a ghost that they're see-through. It's like, see through, like it no, is, it's you, Amy, real. you are yes. here. Wow. And can interact with others just as a real person would. Bilocation can also lend to a theory of a body double coming across in a more physical state. They're not super ghostly or anything. Okay. They're more like this person. Corporal, basically. Right. Yeah. According to the legend surrounding doppelgangers, some monks and Christian saints who were known to meditate frequently became apt at bilocation. St. Anthony of Padua, St. Ambrose of Milan, St. Severus of Ravenna, which I was like, this sounds like a Harry Potter. I know what I was going to say. Severus Snape? What? Stop it. And Ravenna, like, I was like, that, this yeah. is all Harry Potter shit. <laughs> Girl! We're all seen at multiple places at the same time. Fuck. In 1774, the Catholic bishop, St. Alphonsus Maria de Liguri, was seen at the bedside of the dying Pope Clement XIV, when in fact, he was physically confined to his cell in a location that was a four days journey away. <gasps> shit. Yeah. There's this really insane story of Sister Mary of Jesus. To clarify, it's not Jesus's like, Jesus sister. Jesus? No. Okay. So, girl. so you know I don't know. No, of course. So and also because I had a second be like, what? And <laughs> Jesus. So what happens? <laughs> so what happens? What happens is, is when you join holy orders, <laughs> okay. like with any cult. You change your name. (laughs) I love it. Okay. You change your name to start your new life as this thing. Yeah. So there isn't any like Sister Brooke. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. so they changed their name to be of the religion, or, you know, so of a saint of, you know, sure, whatever. Sure. And not dissimilarly that when you get confirmed, which is in Catholicism, it is you choosing to be a Catholic as an adult, even though it happens when you're like 14, which, you know, whatever. But when you go through your confirmation, you also choose a confirmation name. Okay. What's your confirmation name? Mine is Veronica. Ugh, that does not suit you in any way, shape, or form. I'm gonna, but when I explain it, you're gonna see how it Okay. Because it's not like, well, I wanted like, I always like Jessica, so that's what I want. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm really a Veronica, I'm not a Monique. Yeah, Um, obviously. No. Uh, So it's supposed to be meaningful. Like, there's supposed to be a reason you choose the name. A saint or something? Yes. Okay. So... You're, you guys are getting a Catholic school education. I mean, right now, I getting... need it. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, in the Jesus story, the day... <laughs> That's not funny, but I don't know why I love The Jesus story just sounds hilarious. I, I mean, okay. yeah, like, there's, okay. there's yeah, different yeah, yeah. stories. So, like, in, in the Jesus portion of the, the Bible, uh, which is not all of it, if you haven't read it, that's fine. But uh, you're Small you're portion. here to learn, yeah. and I'm, here to, I'm going to be here to tell you. So, when Jesus is uh, the day that he's going to be crucified... Because it's very, like, mob mentality of, like, you have to dig your own grave. Oh, for sure. So when you were crucified, you had to carry your own cross up to yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah. And then they would tie you to it and then put the nails through the hands, whatever. So he falls several times. Yes. Because he's carrying a fucking wooden cross. Yes. And on top of that, they're whipping him the whole time. Him, yeah. And it's, it's not a great time. So one of the times he falls, there's a woman named Veronica who has a rag who wipes his face. Yes. Okay. Okay. I didn't know her name, but I didn't know about this. And her, so I chose it as a reminder to always be helping people. Oh, and that's nice. As an Enneagram too, AKA the helper. It is very on brand with me of like, I am always trying, like when I get DMs for the show of people saying I'm having a terrible week and the fact that your episode came out is making my day or yes. this mattered to me. That's or why we do this shit. Is honestly. like yeah. the, what matters to me the most of the, doing the show. And whenever I've done like theater shows and people have said, this horrible thing happened to my family and I haven't laughed in months and this was the first time I laughed. Aww. That's all yeah. I want. So it's very um, brand with the help. Yeah, fuck yeah. So Veronica. For those all right, of I you. can get that. I yeah. can get behind that. So, so yes. So Sister Mary of Jesus is not Jesus's ma- like sister. sister. yeah. It's... It's a, a nun who chose the name Sister Mary of Jesus. Okay. So, Sister Mary of Jesus in 1622, at the Isolita Mission in what is now New Mexico, Father Alonso de Benavides reported encountering some of the Hamano tribe of Native Americans who, although they had never before met Spaniards, carried crosses, observed Roman Catholic rituals, and new Catholic liturgy in their native tongue. What? So he was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, I'm a priest, I'm into it, but what the fuck? Yeah. The Hamanos told him that they had been instructed into Christianity by a lady in blue who came to them for many years and taught them their new religion in their language. Weird. When he returned to Spain, Father Benavides' investigation led him to Sister Mary of Jesus in Agrida, Spain, who claimed to have converted the Native Americans, quote, not in body, but in spirit, end quote. What? This bitch. I know. 
Sister Mary said she regularly fell into a cataleptic trance, after which she recalled quote-unquote dreams in which she was carried to a strange and wild land where she taught the gospel. As proof of her claim, she was able to provide highly detailed descriptions of the Hamano tribe people, including their appearance, clothing, and customs, none of which she would have learned through research since they were fairly recently discovered by the Europeans. Wow. How did she learn their language? Quote, I didn't. I simply spoke to them, and God let us understand one another. End quote. You just gave me chills. Right. Fuck, dude. That's so fucking weird. That's what I'm saying. Oh, That's what I'm saying. This I is crazy. Shit like that. Yeah. Same. Sister Mary has been seen by many people all over the world, appearing in front of many people at the same time in different locations to this day. Damn. She's always described as dressed in a blue garment. And you have stories of this kind of bilocation as recently as the early 1900s. It is well known that Padre Pio never left the San Giovanni Rotondo convent once he entered in 1918. From that day on, he never departed from there, not even for medical visits. Wow. Yet, many people testify that they saw him, met with him, and spoke with him in various cities around the world. And this was such a situation that there was like an investigation brought into this by the Catholic Church. That's crazy. In 1921, Bishop Rossi, inquisitor for the Holy Office, questioned Padre Pio under oath about the bilocation. Padre Pio answered, quote, It did happen to me to be in the presence of this or that person in this or that place. I do not know if my mind was transported there or what I saw was some sort of representation of the place or person. I do not know if I was there with my body or without it. For example, one night I found myself on the bedside of a sick woman, Maria Massa, in San Giovanni Rotondo. I was in the convent. I think I was praying. I didn't know her personally. She had been recommended to me. End quote. So basically he would just pray and like have and show of, up. Yeah, out and, of body and, experience in a way and yeah. yeah, manifest himself somewhere else. Crazy. Yeah. So now we're going to get into the science portion of the program that I affectionately like to refer to as, what the fuck might this actually be? Yes. yes. I'm here for the science version of yeah. this program. Monstropedia. I'm assuming it's monstro because monstro in Spanish is monster. Yeah. And it has like all sorts of weird shit on it. So I'm assuming that's what it is. So Monstropedia Encyclopedia reports that Shahar Arzi and colleagues at the University Hospital in Geneva, Switzerland, unexpectedly reproduced an effect strongly reminiscent of the doppelganger phenomenon through the electromagnetic stimulation of a patient's brain. The experiment took place in September of 2006, and they concluded that the phenomenon they created is often found in certain mental illness, such as schizophrenia. This is even more apparent when it is accompanied by paranoia or delusions of persecution and of alien control. So here's the thing you're not ready for, though. I'm not ready for it. According to science. <gasps> Tell me everything. Doppelgangers are absolutely real. <gasps> science! Yes! Not an exact copy of yourself. Researchers say that finding an exact copy of yourself is one in a trillion. But you have a one in 135 chance that a single pair of completely identical doppelgangers of yours exists anywhere in the world. Which, what, what? the fucking fuck? 
That's such a small fucking percentage. percentage. Like the likelihood I feel is super high. That's great. One in one. 135. What? So the Girl. author of the Medium article titled, quote, doppelgangers are real science, <laughs> which helps us I mean, that's all you need to say. Right. right? Yeah. Science. Doppelgangers are real Period. science. Thanks. Hmm. By Bibuti Busan Jagat, I'm so sorry, because I'm certain that's not how you pronounce it. I'm trying. Broke down the math saying, quote, I am currently majoring in science and the total number of students at my university is around 3,000. So chances of me coming across my doppelganger are 0.22%. And there are 7.59 billion people in the world as of June 2020. I did the math and the result says that there are a total of 50 thousand individuals present in the world which are physically identical to you end quote which again fucking what that's crazy that's so crazy i I don't feel comfortable with that i don't feel comfortable with that either no however even if there exists a probability of you stumbling upon your exact lookalike the odds are very minimal because yeah i don't care though that would creep me the fuck out creep me the fuck out So here's the thing. I had not heard of doppelgangers as anything other than an in-person lookalike or the evil twin Star Trek episode where Spock has the goatee. Like, (laughs) yeah, I thought it was just like somebody who kind of looked similar to me. I didn't think it was like literally and someone who looks exactly like you and showed up at weird times. Yeah. I had never heard of the paranormal aspect of doppelgangers until May of last year when I listened to a side stories episode of Last Podcast on the Left. Yes! While Last Podcast episodes, if you haven't heard them, are usually deep dives into morbid subjects that usually result in multiple episode series, side stories is a more relaxed, let's talk about the weird news stories of the week format that always ends with one of the hosts, Henry, reading a couple of listener emails. This is the listener email that introduced me to the whole concept and what sparked me doing this topic for this episode. So the author, the listener of this episode wrote in, quote, In 2003, we had just bought our house. Our apartment was only a few miles away and our lease had a few more months on it. So we were just taking our time slowly painting and prepping the house for us to move in. One day, I was at the house cleaning. My wife is going over to the apartment to haul over a load of items after work. The phone rang. It was my brother-in-law saying that he was bringing by a housewarming gift. And at the time, my wife pops into the doorway and motions like, who's on the phone? I tell her it's my brother-in-law. And to my brother-in-law, I say, I actually have to go help Carolyn unload the car. I hang up, walk outside, no Carolyn. Just as I was about to walk back inside confused, her car turns onto the street. A few moments later, I'm home alone, cleaning out the last boxes from our move. Carolyn is at work. The door to the room I'm in is blocked by boxes when I hear the back door open and Carolyn's voice talking to our elderly cat, Tiger Man. He was a very vocal cat and he would talk to us when we first came home. Hearing this, I clear out the boxes, open the door, and walk out saying, what are you doing home? No one is there except Tiger Man, who looks confused. Because remember, like, the the cat was interacting with something. Yeah. The door is locked. (gasps) So even the sound of open and close. Yeah, what? What the fuck? I am home alone. I panic thinking of stories about people dying and their spirits visiting their loved ones. Fuck. I call her at work. She's fine, but really wanting to be home. This phenomenon is nothing new in her life. I later find out from her best friend 
that when they were living together, she would experience similar things and said that it was Carolyn's Verdegger. My wife was adopted as an infant, so until we took a DNA test years ago, we knew nothing of her ancestry. She's mostly of Scandinavian and British descent. The Verdegger is a creature from Scandinavian folklore, similar to a doppelganger. A Verdegger prepares the way for its subject. <gasps> End quote. Chills. And that is the super weird and often ah. ominous history of the doppelganger. That's fucking crazy, right? dude. I did not know the level. You're right. No. I had no idea. No. I just thought it was like, yeah, it's like your doppelganger or whatever. Like, they look kind of like you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I could see you. Yeah. yeah. Well, whatever. Or even like the, the ghost thing of they died and And then they, they showed up showed themselves to you like right after they died and you're like, oh shit, it's your doppelganger, but really it's just their ghost. Yeah. Fuck. Right? I loved that so much. That was so interesting. I'm so glad to me. that song was me rubbing my hands together yeah. in excitement. <laughs> Again, not a visual medium. No, no. Oh my god, that was so good. Oh I good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Fuck. Yeah, right? I like it's don't a know thinker. what to think. Yeah, really I'm really just like trying to absorb everything right now. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's a lot. There's the science of there's 50,000 people who are identical to you roaming yeah. the earth, which, what the fuck? That fucks my brain, for sure. And there's, the bilocation is a fucking thing. Yeah. That many people have experienced and have said is a thing. That, I always feel like that's the weirdest one. Yeah. Very strange. And I could even, like, I understand it's Catholic thing. And I understand, like, you could say, ah, oh, the 1700s, who the fuck knew anything? I totally get that. But in the 1920s, yeah. that that's fucking happening? That that there's, like, a fucking council from the Pope yeah. being, like, what the what actual is fuck going is on this? right now? Yeah. This is weird. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I believe this doppelganger thing because I met my dad's doppelganger. Like, yeah. I walked up to a man with a hundred percent certainty. Like I can't tell you, even though I you was knew he wasn't supposed to be there. No, I was not drunk. I was not fucking high. Like I was one hundred percent sober. I was sitting in a fucking airport. Like that's my dad. To the point that I walked up and touched a strange man's arm. Like I can't stress. This Amy doesn't enough. touch people. I don't touch people. Like that's not a thing I do unless I she know you very me, well. She hugs me, and it's very exciting. She yes. doesn't touch other people. No. So I just, I just wouldn't fucking, I fucking 100% thought this was my dad. Like, no Because he's one of the 50,000. I fucking believe it. He did not know me. He looked at no. me like, why are you <laughs> touching me, strange girl? I don't know you. Oh, this yeah. poor man. If you're out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were my he's dad. Divorced, I don't know what else to say. Living in a trailer. The wife took everything. I'm the worst. <laughs> I ruined this man's life. You did not. Oh um, my god. I also enjoy how we had a very different reaction to me saying that. How I thought it was really funny and you were so I mortified. I was so upset. I really, <laughs> like, got I really never upset. even thought about it. I like got a little... <laughs> I like laughed so hard I cried and then it was the point where I was like, I wasn't even laughing anymore. I was just like, might have just been crying a little bit. I don't know. I, I have like no a, idea. I, I'm a fan of, uh, there's an improv concept that is essentially yes and. Yes. So someone gives you a concept and you say yes and and so yeah. I do that Try all of the time. Yes. I love it in my brain all of the time. Yeah, and if you're gonna say like or if you say some crazy shit to me, the game has begun oh, and yeah. you're going to be upset that you started it because I will go <laughs> way past the line and yes and myself oh, to see it. how fucking weird it gets. Fuck yes, yeah. 
I live for that, honestly. So me, like, of course, of course, I'm like, this escalated to this man of being course. like, like breaking, divorcing in, like, his wife, like, because... like in, in like one of like living under a bridge and like, oh my God. he's like oh my rubbing God. his hands, like, you know, they're like <laughs> burning a tire for warmth. Because, like to me, that's where it, that's the domino of like where this is. Where are the yes ands to the? This is so funny to me, and because you're not a trash person, you're so Poor upset. Man, I'm so upset. The worst part is, <laughs> I think you gave me a whole other level to worry about with this. Don't worry about it. It's all good. It's fine. It's just very funny. It's this fun. is how I entertain myself. I know. I love it. I love it. I still. It's one of those things. Like I can't believe to this day. I just like walked up to a stranger and just like touched him with the utmost certainty that he was my father. And obviously, like obviously, he's not. It's mostly like you want to believe you know your father. Yeah. Out of a group of people, like you could pick him out of a crowd. Apparently, I can't. Who knows? Who fucking knows? There's fifty thousand of them. Apparently. So now, oh my god, Jesus Christ! I have no idea. All right, I met my dad's doppelganger. I mean, that's the understanding that I operate under. So. I mean, it's crazy. That's fucking crazy, dude. But here's the. But you don't have to feel like a dick about it because there's. It's not your fault. There's fifty thousand. There's fifty thousand of us. That's great. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot. That's like a lot. If it was like 50, I'd be like, oh, even that's crazy. But like 50,000? Well, that's that thing of like, you know, allegedly 1% of the of the population is psychopaths. 1%, yeah. 1% is, is a, a fucking lot. lot. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'll pass on that. Yep. I don't so, want to deal with one psychopath, let alone fucking... I mean, I'm certain I've, I've dealt with them already. Oh, of course. We all have, at yeah. some point or another. Whether you know it or not, you have 100% dealt with a psychopath. Absolutely. It's it's a statistical impossibility. You yes! Haven't. So I think that I have you good and freaked out. Oh, I'm freaked the fuck out, Monique. So it's time for you to return the favor. Hey! Give me some true crime, baby! Alright. Yeah! A little, little true crime action for you today. So last week... Yeah. We talked about satanic cults and a little bit, whether whether they were behind cattle mutilation, which spoiler, they're They're not. not. Oh, which I'm sorry. On a side note, I decided to look up the cattle mutilation uh, pictures. I had thought about posting it, but I'm like, no, it's a little intense. It's a lot. I liked your like nice. These are alive. Aren't they lovely? Yeah. I appreciate that. The one that fucked me up the most. Girl. And the, it, the description of it was, it was like a crinkled cattle carcass. Mm-hmm. It literally looked like, like the insides were completely removed. And it was just like, almost like a paper mache that had been yes. crinkled in. But it's a fucking I think I know which one I'm talking about. Like literally it looks like. It looks crinkled. Like they ripped the stuffing out of a stuffed animal. And, and then just like, like. The carcass. Yeah. Like when you have a box and you step on it to make it fit in the dumpster. Yes. That's what it looks like. It's fucking... Like, it's hollowed out eerie. and crinkled. What the fuck? It's fucking eerie, dude. Yeah. Dude, I fucking know, man. It's one of those... I told you, it fucking got in my brain and I it will never get out. It's, yeah. It haunts me to this day of, yeah. like, what the fuck is going on. But it's not satanic cults. But it's not satanic cults. Not in that Fact. instance. No. However, all that talk reminded me of another story. And funnily enough, this was actually the story that I was going to do for our first episode. Oh, shit. But then I stumbled on the murder of Bobby Justin it, and I fell down a rabbit hole and did that instead. Yeah, of course. I have to say, this is one of those stories that if you go on, like, Murderpedia and you read the first little, like, blurb about it, which is from an encyclopedia of modern serial killers by Michael Newton, it seems so cut and dried and mm. brutal, but... The more I read about it, the more I came to question what the fuck really happened in this case. Oh, shit. 
So, sources. Use Murderpedia, obviously, as I just mentioned. Linesandstringsandstrangedays.com. Hmm. Cultnation.com. WCVB.com. Heraldnews.com. And I'm going to throw Wikipedia in there, even though there's very little information on Wikipedia, and I did not really use them extensively. Sure. The book Mortal Remains by Harry Scamell seems to be where most of my sources got their information from. However, I still felt a lot of it differed from source to source or was contradictory uh-huh. to the point that I, I was halfway through my story before I even like realized, like, sure. fuck, I really should have just read this book myself and taken the information from this book <laughs> right. because I'm getting frustrated with everyone's fucking secondhand Take knowledge of this. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, because I, I just didn't know what to believe sometimes. So... Today, we are going into the Fall River Murders. Oh, shit. Which are sometimes known as the Fall River Cult Murders. But I am calling them the Fall River Murders. Okay. So, let me set the scene for you. The year is 1979. The city of Fall River, Massachusetts, which had previously been a major industrial center with a prosperous textile industry, was now an industrial ghost town. Mm. Unable to compete with global competition... Factories closed, buildings were abandoned, and downtown basically became a wasteland. That's a, that happened to a lot of Massachusetts. All the time. Yes. Yeah. Massachusetts, Detroit, like, you yeah. fucking hear this all the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, this left a devastating economic void that provided an opening for drugs and sex work to rise to prominence. Sex work became a, quote, major industry that drew on a large labor pool extending as far away as New York, New <gasps> Jersey, and even Florida. Holy shit. End quote. Yeah. On Bedford Street, there were several bars that were known hubs for pimps and sex workers to congregate, so customers knew exactly where to find them if they were looking for their services. Ironically, the Fall River's police station was only a few blocks down that very same street. Mm. It was apparently no secret that the police reportedly passed their time in the same bars as the pimps, drug dealers, and sex workers. Mm. Despite being aware of the illegal activities going on, it seemed as though they maintained a lax enforcement of the environment. Many of the sex workers and pimps that frequented Bedford Street could also be found hanging out at Harbor Terrace, a housing project occupied by economically disadvantaged people who needed subsidized housing. One of the residents there was Maureen Sunny Sparta, whose apartment served as a hangout and meeting place for the Bedford Street crowd. A former sex worker herself, although she claimed she only did it once, she acted as a sort of quote-unquote den mother and would allow mm-hmm. the working women to use her apartment for entertaining customers. So, like, a madam of a brothel sure. kind of way. Not only that, but Maureen would also frequently host devil-worshipping gatherings oh, and okay. rituals in her apartment. That's the same. Yeah, sure, casual. And Get even, your rocks off and hail Satan. And hail Satan. <laughs> hail yourselves. Hail yourselves. Love you. And even had a huge mural of Satan in her apartment. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, I have classy. Three. It's like decorator. Obviously. What he suggested, obviously. Yeah. So, as you've probably been aware, it's the year is 1979. This takes place during the Satanic Panic, yeah. a cultural phenomenon and moral panic primarily fueled by religious fanatics and tabloid media that occurred during the 1970s and the 1980s. Do you like viscerally remember this growing up or no? Because you, not really, because I was born a little younger than me. Eighty nine, so like uh, this it's was like kind of the tail end of at it. the end of it. Yeah, yeah. So I no, definitely not really. remember. Do you? Growing up. Yeah, I remember being told by my mother really? about Satanists and about what? them sacrificing children. Which, and, like, from a Catholic family too. Like, again, yeah. my family is atheist, so it's not like like the Satanists are out to get you because they're like Satanists are real. This shit would be fucking, like on the fucking news, though. Yeah, for real. And they fucking like, ate this shit up on the yeah. news. Like, they were all about it. They wanted to scare you. They wanted to fucking yeah. 
I mean, West Memphis 3 was the early 90s. Yes. It's like 93, I want to say. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, they, Satanist, because a kid fucking drew a pentagram on his fucking composition book. Exactly. And they're like, clearly, like this is what gothic. happened. Yeah. So, yes. We're yeah. worshiping the devil, obviously. Crazy. Side note, Maureen slash Sunny is apparently a fucking bad bitch. Fuck with yeah. With a capital B and yes. not to be messed with. According to Detective Sylvia of the Fall Rivers Police Department, one of the most savage fights he ever saw and with Sunny holding another girl's hair in her fist and repeatedly smashing her face into the cement side. Holy shit! So... Don't fuck with her. Yikes. Fuck Don't fuck her. with Sunny. Like, she's not a fuck about it. Don't come for me unless I send for you. Fuck yeah. So Sunny is the person who, like, hosts all these little, like, the Satan, sata- the yeah. Satan meetings. She's got, like, the Satan apartment. So, in order to do justice to the story, I didn't want to ignore the backgrounds of the victims, and I wanted to be able to delve into the history of the perpetrators to perhaps shed light on what drove them to commit these crimes. But, because of the time this took place, and the rather hard-knock aspect of their lives, living on the fringes of society as they were, there's surprisingly little available about their lives prior to these events. So, apologies in advance if it seems like I'm giving, like, a bare-bones background of them, but there really just, like, isn't that much information. So, Doreen Levesque was a 17-year-old from the nearby city of New Bedford. Her parents described behavioral struggles they had with Doreen, saying she was a rebel who was determined to go her own way. She was known for getting into trouble at school as well as at home, but she wrote poetry and even a letter to Jesus. Still a teenager, Doreen left foster care and would eventually turn to sex work in Fall River to support herself. Around 6 a.m. on October 13, 1979, joggers discovered Doreen's body underneath the bleachers of Diamond Regional, the mm. local vocational high school. She'd been bludgeoned to death <gasps> and stabbed in the back of the head. Oh, fuck. All of her clothing, except her shirt, had been removed. She had been raped, and according to Detective Carey, there were signs of peculiar sexual activities. Mm. Which I believe he's using as, like, a euphemism for sexual torture, uh, basically. He didn't really get into it much more than yeah. that. So they, she's only wearing her shirt. She's only wearing her shirt. You know, that kind of shit, it's so intentional to humiliate and degrade the person. Because yes. the assault and the murder wasn't, wasn't enough. enough. It's knowing they're going to be found in this degrading way. Yes. Of having their privates exposed. And it's so, like, just that cherry on the cake of piece of shitness that I am not here for. No, you're totally right. Yeah. You're totally right. Her wrists and ankles had been bound with fishing line and scattered about the scene were several rocks with blood on them. According to the medical examiner, more than one person was likely involved and the evidence pointed to the possibility of torture and death by stoning. Oh my God. Which like is a fucking way to go. I can't Who the fuck does that? Exactly. It was the stoning aspect that led investigators to believe that the killing may have been quote unquote ritualistic in nature. Hmm. At the time, the police had no suspects, and there was no clear motive for the murder. The main Fall River Police Department investigators working the case, Detective Alan Sylvia, Tom Joaquin, and Paul Carrier, were familiar with some of the people who frequented Bedford Street, and, as many law enforcement officers are known to do, they had formed relationships with some of these people in order to gather information. Sure. These investigators were particularly intrigued by the ritualistic aspect of the murder because one of the things that they had heard on the street was that there was some quote-unquote, quote-unquote, cult activity happening at Harbor Terrace. Mm. Despite the rumors of cult activity, they had never really had a reason to investigate until now. 
about a month after Doreen's body was found, a 44-year-old man named Andrew or Andy Malteus went to the Fall River Police Station to file a missing persons report for his girlfriend, Barbara Raposa. Barbara was a 20-year-old mother who had a 4-year-old son named Eric. She dabbled in sex work and was familiar with the Bedford Street and Harbor Terrace crowd. There isn't much information about her available, not even a picture, and it's possible that she was estranged from her family during this time. While filing the report, Malteus was mumbling about a satanic cult and claimed to have information about the murder of Doreen Levesque. Since they had no other leads at the time, they set up a- fuck it, why not? Yeah. They set up a formal interview to find out what Malteus possibly knew. He began the interview by saying, quote, once I worshipped Satan, now I worship Jesus. End what quote. the fuck? Yeah, which like not, That's a leap. Yeah, not the way to start your fucking interview, dude. I mean Also like you seem a little wishy washy. It's the top three most ill advised ways to start an yeah, interview. Yeah. Unless you're gonna be like, I did it. D- don't do that. <laughs> but like, yeah, also don't start it on this note. I, I, like, literally don't even know how to respond to that. Like, if I were there... I don't know how to respond. It's funny because, it, as, as I've made known to you fine folk and to Amy and to everyone, I'm a practicing Catholic, but I'm not, like, I don't believe myself to be nuts. I'm functionally nuts, but I'm not, like, nuts. Like, I can have yes. a conversation that Agreed. doesn't involve Jesus. No, no. And Amy has told me stories of her encounters Girl. in, like, Bible Belt... I think it's why I'm not religious to this day. Like, not only because my family I wasn't, get it. but, like, because any interaction I had with people who were religious just, like, rubbed me the wrong way. And yeah, just, like, like didn't you not... have, like, a blown-out tire? Yes! I fucking got a flat tire on the side of the highway in fucking Florida on, like, I-75, and the road ranger guy happened to see me and stopped, and I said, oh my god, thank you so much, like, you're my savior, I really appreciate it. And he stopped me and said... Jesus is your savior. I might be a hero, but Jesus is your savior. And I immediately, because it's me, I was just like, oh my God, of course. Like Jesus, yes. I 100%, he saved us. Praise like, be, whatever. Yes. But if I would have been hit with that, I would be like, okay, like, can you help me out? Which is how I felt inside. Like, because I feel like, yeah. So being hit with, I used to worship Satan, now, now I worship Jesus. Jesus. Like, I'd be like, honey. <laughs> Literally, honey. Like, I just want to know, like, if your name has, like, two E's in it or yes! one. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Didn't want to know all this fucking I don't information. need this. Like, take this up with your priest. Oh, my God. What the fuck? I am so underpaid for all yes! of that shit. Oh, my God. No, you're so fucking right. No, I completely agree. That's a lot. It's I, a lot. I would not have been here for that exchange. Oh, no, fuck no. What the fuck? It's like, get the fuck out of here. So... Andy proceeded to tell police that at the time of her disappearance, Malteus and Barbara were practicing Satanists and members of a local cult. Mm. He told them that Doreen was also involved with the cult before she was murdered and believed that the quote-unquote cult was responsible but had no direct knowledge of the crime. Police were skeptical of Malteus' story, but he insisted and offered to arrange a meeting with two other members of this supposed cult, Karen Marsden and Robin Murphy. At the time, Karen Marsden was a 20-year-old single mother. She was involved with a rough crowd, but she was thought to be different, softer. She was struggling with drug addiction at the time, which had led her to occasionally engaging in sex work to support her habit. And while this led to her association with some rather unsavory people, she still wanted to be good and talked of her faith in God. You know, because her name's Karen Marsden, yeah. right? I hear that name and I'm like, 
Hi, my name is Karen. Karen Mars? Yeah. Marsden. Uh, I got a little, um, some little rice crispy squares and then hail Satan. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking right now. You sound so sweet. So, right? So to hear she's a Satanist is insane to me. But also is like down with Jesus. Yes. Because she so dabbles in both. Karen is... Is a, is a repentant Satanist? I think Karen, from my understanding... Karen hung around with people who were Satanists, but Karen herself was not an I active see. Satanist. So she's the one to be like, I don't dabble. Yes. But, but it's like all my real, friends. Real. Yes. Yeah. From my knowledge, she did attend Satan, quote unquote, like meetings, gatherings at Sunny's apartment. Like I, I said, she sometimes hosted these gatherings. She would attend these, but... More because her friends like, were there. Yes, it's like that's the thing all your friends are going to. It's like all the people you know they're going to that, so you just like go and hang out. But yeah. from my understanding, like she talked about her faith in God. She didn't seem like she was super gung ho like, about yeah. this, basically. So it seemed as though she was aware that she wasn't able to properly care for her son in her current condition, and so he lived with a foster family. Oh. However, Karen was still an active part of his life and would visit him frequently, maintaining her relationship as his mother. Well, that's good. Yeah. Never again, hear, you never like, hear that. Yes. And again, she's like supposed to be softer. Like she dabbles right. in sex work, but she does have like a loving, supportive family. Kind and I mean, of, and there are just... people who do sex work because they can't do any other thing because of whatever other reason. Yes. You get a fucking felony for Girl, because yeah. you fuck up. Getting a job is going to be real hard really for you hard. because you got to check off that fucking box on your application. And, and it's one of those things like where they live. The industry is fucking gone. Like, you can't work in the textile mills anymore. Like, this is kind of, for a lot of yeah. people, I'm sure, the only option yeah. that's kind of available Yeah, a lot of people who get into sex work, it's not like, oh my god, guys, this I've is been dreaming all I've ever forever. wanted to do. Yeah. It's their only option yeah. to get any food on the table. Exactly. Exactly. So I get it. It's tough. Karen was living with her grandmother at the time, who she loved and checked in with daily despite her risky lifestyle. Police described her as nervous and emotional during their talks with her. Oh, in direct contrast, 17-year-old Robin Murphy was described as cold, deliberate, and calculated. By all I accounts, mean, a Murphy, like, I feel like they're, they're, they're going to fuck with you. They're, <laughs> you they're going to shiv you. Say. I mean, I date all of you the Irish. You love the Irish, yeah. I love the Irish. Red and freckly with an apostrophe in your last name. <laughs> Girl. I'm here for it. Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Slide in those DMs. You got it. <laughs> I love it. I um, love it. She's here for it. I, I love people of the Emerald Isle. Like, just, no, no, no Tino shade. Like I fucking. They're jovial and yes! complicated and, and that a little accent, grumpy. Girl. Oh my God. I and they it. can fucking drink like a motherfucker. I love it. So by all accounts, Robin Murphy had had a rough childhood, which had turned her into a tough streetwise teenager. Mm. Supposedly she had been interested and in dabbling in the occult since her childhood. I mean, same. Same, right? Like, I, <laughs> my Wiccan phase, like, everyone knows. Yeah. Girl, I mean, I was, I remember being in sixth grade, and we were waiting for the Christmas, for our scene in the Christmas pageant at the Catholic private school my parents were sending us to, and I made a Ouija board, and we, like, we were kind <gasps> like... So I'm it. a very complicated person. I'm like down Amazing. with JC, but also like, I'm, I'm not a Ouija. What are yeah. you doing? What's up? Let's yeah. tarot it up. Let's see. Ouija tarot Christmas, babies. Yes. Next year. It's happening. This year. Girl, I get it. I get it. So Robin's supposedly been dabbling in the occult since her childhood. Mm -hmm. Detective Sylvia found her to be highly intelligent, and Detective Carrie described her as a dominant personality. While mm -hmm. Murphy was the younger of the two, she seemed more composed than Karen when speaking with the police and stuck to noncommittal statements like, could be, or I don't know. 
Murphy, like Karen, was also a sex worker. However, she was also an aspiring pimp. Oh. Yeah, you know. Climb that ladder. Climb that ladder, sure. Murphy and Karen were roommates and upfront about their relationship as lovers. According to Detective Carey, Murphy was also Karen's pimp. When asked how the girls knew Malteus, they were vague, saying they knew him from around. But according to a later interview with Murphy, she had known Malteus since she was 11 when he picked her up hitchhiking. Oh, shit. Because as you can imagine, this isn't going in a good place. Yeah. Like a fucking late 30s year old man picking up an 11 year old for hitchhiker doesn't usually just like drive her to where she wants to go and give her a cookie and say, have a good time. I hope you do well in your life. No. Send me a telegram. In that encounter, Altaeus sexually assaulted an 11 year old Murphy and told her that if she told anyone, they would blame her and she'd get into trouble. Oh my God. I fucking hate everyone. I know. It's fucking ridiculous. She described him. And also not an unusual story. No, very fucking common. She described him as sick and not normal, which I mean, facts. Yeah. yeah. When she started dating someone else at 13, he would regularly track her down <gasps> and beat her. What she the said, fuck? She said, quote, he used to walk up and bang on the car window saying, I better get out of the car before the guy I was with got into trouble because I was a minor. I'd get out and he'd beat the shit out of me. What the fuck? End quote. According to Detective Carey, Malteus claimed he had ended a long-running relationship with his quote-unquote former girlfriend Murphy in order to become Barbara's lover. However, the truth is, he was a mentally unstable pedophile with Obviously. a penchant for underage sex workers. Obviously. Yes. Yeah, got that together. Facts. Yeah. I didn't have to go to As Quantico. As you surmised from the fucking story. And take the behavioral science course no. to put that shit together. No. I got that profile, thank you. Yeah. During the interview with Karen and Murphy, Murphy was not forthcoming with information and remained silent for the most part while occasionally scowling at her friend. It was Karen who did the talking, and after rambling, sometimes incoherently, she eventually began crying, saying, quote, Carl Drew killed Doreen Levis, end quote. The local police were familiar with the name. They knew Carl Drew as a 26-year-old pimp with a violent reputation. Originally from New Hampshire, Carl Drew described his childhood on his family's small farm as one marked by hard labor and physical abuse by his father. So he ran away from home at 14 and made his new home on the streets of Fall River, known for their seedy activities. Mm. In addition to his association with drug dealers and sex workers in the area, he also was reputed to have been a member of the Sidewinders Biker Club. A Fall River native who spoke to people connected to the group who knew him said, quote, there was really nothing remarkable about him to speak of. It seems he was a fairly quiet sort of person. Supposedly the club had kicked him out eventually because of his prolific pimping career and all that goes along with it. End quote. From what I've read, however, including interviews with friends and former girlfriends, I'm not sure how quote unquote quiet he really was. Mm. He had a violent reputation, was known for making gruesome death threats. And it seemed as though most people who knew him, especially the women he surrounded himself with were afraid of him. Now, I've heard some conflicting information regarding the association between Carl Drew and Doreen Levinsk. Detective said he was her pimp, but in a later interview, Murphy said Doreen was actually freelancing at the time and Drew attempted to entice her to work for him. Is that a thing? You can yeah. freelance? It's, again, it's one of those things that's supposed to be more dangerous because like you don't have protection. protection. So it's one of those things like if you have sex with a guy and he doesn't pay you and he's a bigger guy than you and he decides he's going to 
rough you up after the fact. You don't have anyone to... You don't have anyone. You can't go to your pimp after the and be like, hey, this motherfucker didn't pay me and he smacked me around a little bit. Yeah. You need to take care of this. I see. You're on your own, basically. So, like, that's supposed to be protection for them. Sure. So, where if something bad does happen, they can go to their pimp and be like, hey, you need to take care of this guy. And they'll go beat the shit out of the john, get your fucking money, and be like, hey, don't do this. Well, see, because I'm, I'm looking at freelance... From the lens that I know it, which is working with an agent. It's like, yeah, we're not going to sign no. with you. <laughs> but we'll like send you out on stuff. And if you like make any money, then we'll take a cut out. Yes, of it. yes. No, no, no. Okay. No. Okay. Not at all. Not at all. However, beyond Karen's claim that Drew was Dorian's killer, there was nothing to tie him to the murder. Hmm. Karen was seen as an unreliable source due to her drug use and somewhat emotional state. Police pressed her for more details and offered her witness protection in exchange for her testimony. But she gave no further information, and she refused to even say how she knew that Drew had killed Doreen. She told police... Uh, mm, Yeah. That's not great. It's not great. She told police she feared for her life, called Carl Drew, quote-unquote, the devil, and said he threatened to inject battery acid in her veins and offer her soul to Satan. What the fuck? Yes. Which sounds super fucked up, but from my research, I could really only find that... This was a threat that was related to her by Murphy. Oh. And didn't actually come directly from Carl Drew, which I feel is noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Between October 1979 and April 1980, Karen continued to talk to the authorities, both the Fall River Police and the Massachusetts State Police. And as Fall River detectives got her to open up more, they realized Drew was not the only dangerous person in Karen's life. Karen's roommate and lover, Robin Murphy, the woman she had come to police with in the first place, also had a dark side. Mm. Despite their relationship, Karen seemed to be scared of Murphy, who was described by those around her as psychologically unstable and prone to violence. Mm. Sonny, who, if you remember, smashed a woman's face on the sidewalk, so this is not a person who's easily scared, once said, quote, Robin likes to hurt people. She scares me. Oh, shit. End quote. Detectives even talked to her parents, who said they took Murphy to a psychiatrist once, who said he believed that Robin had intentionally answered in such a way as to make sure she wasn't diagnosed with anything. When detectives were continuing to investigate and becoming familiar with this group of so-called Satanists, the frozen body of Barbara Raposa was discovered three months after she was reported missing on January 26, 1980, behind an abandoned printing factory. Oof. Similar to Doreen's murder, her wrists were tied together with fishing line, and she had been sexually assaulted. Her skull had been crushed with a rock. Fuck. Police immediately sought out Andy Malteus, who had been the last person to see her alive. He denied any knowledge of the crime. However, a few days later, he returned to tell police details of the murder that were revealed to him through a, quote-unquote, psychic dream. Oh my... However, these were very specific details, such as where the body was discovered. Oh, shit. The position it was in, the time of death, the method of killing, and other such details that hadn't been made public at the Wait, time. Wait, so this was all super legit? The the details of the psychic dream? Is legit. <gasps> but it was one of those, like, he came forward to say that his girlfriend, he called her his girlfriend, but it was his former girlfriend, of missing. And then, like... So, okay, I'm sorry. So I'm understanding this. So he no. comes forward to say that his girlfriend's missing and that in a psychic dream, this this is what he saw. Yes. Here's the thing. Did the police believe that he had this psychic dream? No. No. 
They think he murdered her. They think he fucking murdered her. And, it's and been like, no, his... but like, it wasn't me. Like, but it was a dream. Better like, my spirit angels told me that like, my, my girlfriend like, was murdered with fish wire and like, two rocks. Yes. And she looked like this. Yes. So he claimed <laughs> he was like, floating over her body the whole time and he saw another man, quote unquote, do this to her. Let me guess, he can't describe and the other that man? And that she was, yes. And oh, then she was like, that. crying out for him to help her, blah 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 Okay. So now I see. I'm 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 back on the train. I'm yes. on board with what's happening now. Cool. Yes. I was like, does he claim that he's having psychic dreams? A hundred fucking percent. Is he having psychic dreams? I really don't. Is he coming think up with so. a weirdo alibi to not incriminate himself? Yes. Yes. That is much more what it seems like. Yes. Not believing for a second <laughs> that he had any real psychic powers, the police immediately took his quote-unquote dream for a confession and much to Malteus's surprise he was promptly arrested and charged with the death of guys Barbara. i'm a hero yes you i'm fucking... giving you the deets <laughs> i should you be the intel you should be an investigator monique <laughs> legitimately Malteus's fate was sealed when murphy testified that she was present during the murder of barbara raposa she said that on november 7th 1979 between 11 p.m and 1 a.m she called Malteus and asked him for a ride to her mother's home in Fall River. Malteus told her that Barbara had just called him to pick her up at Sambo's diner. They hung up, and a short time later, Malteus picked up Murphy, and together they went to Sambo's to get Barbara. According to Murphy, while they were on their way, Malteus said, quote, I'm going to kill that Barbara for going out with that Cohen, end quote. When they arrived at Sambo's, Murphy got into the back seat so Barbara could sit in the front. The girls began arguing about what Robin was doing in the car with Andy. It escalated, and Barbara turned and punched Murphy in the face. Oh, my. Why can't people just, like, be chill? Be chill, Just dude. across the board. Yeah. Man. And, like, if someone does a thing that you're, like, not into, you could just, I one, confront them be like, I didn't like that. Yes. And then depending on their response, you'd be like, I don't fuck with you anymore. That's cool. Yes. Facts. So, Barbara turned and punched Murphy in the face. Fuck. Murphy grabbed her by her hair and neck, pulling her to the back seat where they <gasps> continued to fight. Murphy said at one point during the fight, she bit Barbara oh. somewhere on her breast, which like, oh. yeah, that's another level of fighting. Like, I couldn't even imagine doing that in a fight. Like, that would never occur to me. No. Eventually, Malteus stopped the car and got out. He opened the back door, pulled Barbara off Robin, and restrained her outside the vehicle. Murphy said she heard them talking outside, but couldn't hear what they were saying. Barbara had seemed to calm down, and Malteus went to the trunk to get a brown paper bag filled with his quote-unquote gadgets, which was... A dildo, and I think possibly an ejaculator. I'm sorry, what is that? <laughs> an ejaculator, I guess, is like I. It's like I did some research. It's like basically exactly what it sounds like. It's like a thing that simulates ejaculation. So it'd be like basically like a little sort of dildo piece that then like. So it doesn't ejaculate the person. It just no, no. It a, would be a, like it's yes, a prosthetic. I don't that, or like a like one hundred. I don't know I what was. Okay, what they okay. put in it. Okay. I have no information. It about doesn't this. do anything to a person's body. It's just an aesthetic of a plastic dildo, basically. That, yes, that then that would like. Jizzes. Yes. I see. So okay. I guess, like, for okay. people that that's a real desire for them, they want the. I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen so, that type of. Like, people need the, the messiness. There you go. Yes. Sure. Some, the, something about the sensation. You don't live your dreams. No kink, Again. No kink shame. Yes, 100%. And again... But this is not the go-to if there's if there's a fight happening in the backseat of your car. That's not what I would go for. You would not think so, no. 
The couple walked a short distance away from the car and Barbara took off her coat to lay it on the ground. She then removed her jeans and lay down on the ground on top of her coat. Murphy said Barbara didn't remove her bra and shirt because it was cold. Malteus then got on top of her. A short time later, Murphy said she heard an argument and saw him beating Barbara with his fists. Murphy turned away, but then heard a scream and turned back. She saw Malteus straddling Barbara with a rock in his hands and said he brought it down on her head. Oh my god. He then got up, put the gadgets back in the bag, and told Barbara, quote, let's see you crawl home from here, end quote. He then put the bag back in the trunk and drove off. He asked Murphy where she wanted to go, and she said her mother's house. She said she was so scared, and she couldn't recall any conversation they may have had on the ride to her mother's. The next morning, Malteus called Murphy and asked, what happened to Barbara? Murphy said, I don't know, and stated on several occasions. You beat the shit out of her. Yes. Because I saw you do it. Is that a rhetorical question? Is this opposite day? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on? What are you talking about? Again, Murphy stated, I don't know, and stated on several occasions that Malteus had dated different girls and had hurt them. Each time, he would call Murphy afterwards, asking what happened to them, and every time, said, I don't know. After providing her statement, she was taken to the location of the murder, where she was able to correctly identify the location where the body was found. Murphy was put under police protection and checked into a hotel in nearby Dartmouth. However, she still came and went as she pleased and spent her time hanging out around Bedford Street and Harbor Terrace. How was that police protection then? Right? Girl, the levels that this fucking story gets to, like, it's one of those things, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but, like... I'm going to be pissed. I don't know that you're going to be pissed. It's one of those stories that, like, as I was delving into it, and the more I started to read about it, and the more I started to get embroiled in this, the more I didn't know what the fuck was going on, and what was true, and what was not. Yeah. Because of just, like, the levels that the story fucking gets to. So... I'm going to, like, give you the whole story, and then, like, I'll let you see see. what you think about this. I'm here for it. On January 30th, 1981, because of Murphy's eyewitness testimony and Malteus' confession in the form of his quote-unquote psychic dream, he was convicted of the first-degree murder of Barbara Ann Raposa and was sentenced to life in prison. Yep. He was suspected of committing a few other unsolved rapes in the area dating back to the early 1970s, but no additional charges were brought against him. Malteus denied that he murdered Raposa or was involved in a devil cult. He continued, yeah, I mean, that's what he called it. He continued to appeal his case until he died of cancer six years into his sentence, still thinking he was a quote-unquote agent for the police. What? He thought he was, like, helping police Yeah, he thinks he's, like, like an informant or whatever. Yes, he didn't. No, I, I'm more, like, he didn't horrified think he was, like, at confessing. his delusion yes. is what I'm, I'm wanting. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. And according to Detective Carey, he was mentally ill. I mean. Which, yes. At minimum. At minimum. While Barbara's murder case had been closed, the Fall River police were still investigating the murder of Doreen Levesque. As I mentioned before, they had heard there were satanic rituals in the area. But it wasn't until Sonny, a woman Detective Carey helped years ago, told him that a satanic group periodically met at her Harbor Terrace apartment and offered to let them sit in on one of the rituals that they had seen anything concrete. Detective Carey accepted the offer and said to his partner, quote, let's go. We're going to meet Satan, end quote. They picked up two. Is he gonna packs. be there with some deviled right? eggs? Yeah, you know. Oh, girl, I love me some deviled eggs. Who doesn't? Oh, that is how Satan would get me if he just came with a plate of deviled <laughs> eggs. I'd be like, "Where do you want to go? Like, let's do this." Thank it's, you. It's a creme brulee for me. Ooh, girl. But like, not a like the one that's just perfectly. You gotta, you gotta mm, crack, crack the it. Top. Fuck yeah. Mm, mm, fuck. That's so satisfying. Oh, so good. I, I'm with that. I can get on board with that. I love it. 
They picked up two six packs and went to the apartment undercover. When people started, I know that like cracked me up for some reason too. It's like they just like grabbed two six packs and were like, "Let's like, go." Well, you know, I'm being invited to a house for the first time. I need to be a good yes. house guest. Yeah, of course. So let's bring some some Bud Lights. Oh, classic. I can't. I'm obsessed. I know. This is so funny. When people started arriving, they recognized Carl Drew, Robin Murphy, and Karen Marsden. They watched the satanic ritual, which involved chants of "Hail Satan" and an announcement that Satan had entered the room. The police found it somewhat anticlimactic, and <laughs> yes, yeah, because it's because bullshit. it was it was one hundred percent anticlimactic. And Sonny admitted that their more authentic rituals took place in the Freetown Fall River State Forest, known to locals as the Res. She said, unlike at the meetings in her apartment. The rituals in the woods would frequently include sacrificing small animals and conducting crude rituals where animal blood would be poured over the participants' heads. Which, like, you're not going to do that in your apartment. I get it. I could be wrong, but I hear that that's how you are indoctrinated into Santeria. Oh, with, is like, it, animal blood over your head? A, or a chicken. Ooh. You wear all white and then they... <gasps> which I'm pretty sure Adolfo Constanzo did with Sara. Did he? Fuck. Yeah. I should be like, um, you got that shit in my hair? That's a no. That's a no for me, dog. (laughs) I'm out. I'm good. Thank you. No, thank you. When Murphy came forward to offer eyewitness testimony in the murder of Barbara Raposa, she also finally provided details about the murder of Doreen. Although the forensic evidence seemed to be similar in both cases, they both had bound wrists, signs of sexual assault, bludgeoning to death, Murphy claimed there was no direct connection between the murders except the fact that she had been present for both of them. She told police, quote, the killing of Doreen Levesque was an offering to the soul of Satan, end quote. I mean, from what you're telling me, it just seems like some dude popping off. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's a whole ritual to it of like, well, you're going to be the one. Yeah. It's like... (sighs) So Barbara's murder is associated with the other Fall River murders. Yeah. However, Barbara's murder seems sort of cut and dried as just like an angry ex situation there's really like no quote-unquote satanic aspect of this murder in any way shape or form murphy also maintained that carl drew murdered doreen according to her doreen had recently left drew's quote-unquote coven to work the streets on her own and drew displeased with this turn of events tracked her down and forced her into his car with murphy Karen, and a man named Willie Smith, a fellow Satanist and Drew's friend, who were all along for the ride. Drew threatened Doreen, telling her she couldn't work the streets alone, and backhanded her. Again, this is all according to Robin Murphy. Yeah. They pulled behind the high school, and the two men took the 17-year-old girl under the bleachers while Robin Murphy and Karen Marsden stayed in the car. According to Murphy, she didn't see or hear anything. However, as we already established, Doreen wasn't strangled or killed quietly. She was sexually tortured, stabbed, and stoned to death. Yeah, which, so that's not... Yeah, which one, I assume you'd probably hear. And two, you'd probably like see blood on the men afterwards or something to yeah. that effect. I don't think this would just be like a clean crime. Basically. Yeah, this isn't like a hit with like a silencer. Exactly. Also, according to Murphy, after only a few minutes which is another sketchy detail, the men returned to the car without Doreen, and when they asked what happened to her, Drew replied, quote, you don't want to know, end quote. I do, because I just fucking asked you. Yeah, so I would like to know what the fuck just happened. Something else to note, Murphy claimed that because it was only a few minutes, she wasn't even sure Doreen had been killed until she saw it in the news. Over time, her story grew and began to include more gory details with a definite satanic twist. However, it seemed as though those details had slipped her mind during her initial interview. 
Karen was also still talking to police during this time, and they believed that she, like Murphy, had been present at both murders. While her recollection of events contrasted with Murphy's, she still maintained that Carl Drew was the quote-unquote cult figurehead behind these killings. However, she also claimed that Murphy was far more involved than she had previously implied. Karen said she had taken a leading role, going so far as to make everyone present at the murders of Doreen and Barbara take part in the mutilation of their bodies. <gasps> While it's possible that this was for ritualistic purposes, it also could have just been to guarantee their silence by implicating them in the crimes. Mm. Karen's behavior was becoming increasingly erratic and her emotional state was continuing to decline. At the time of her final interview, she was on the verge of a breakdown and the young mother was convinced that she was going to be the next sacrificial murder. Oof. Unfortunately, her fear and paranoia were not unfounded and she was reported missing by her grandmother on February 9th, 1980. Oh no. Police assumed the worst, but it wasn't until the gruesome discovery of a partial skull in the nearby town of Westport two months after her disappearance that their suspicions were confirmed. Mm. A police search of the scene re revealed the decaying carcasses of three cats, sheep bones, and large clumps of hair ripped out by the roots. <gasps> There was also some of Karen's jewelry, a high-heeled shoe, and pieces of a woman's sweater around the scene. According to Detective Carey, they also found a ring with the symbol of the devil on it. What is that? Yeah. So, from my understanding, Detective Carey was, seemed to be really, like, the only police officer of this investigation team that believed any of these things were odd and satanic. Like, uh -huh. the animal bones he thought were, like, arranged in a very specific way, again, with these, like, other rocks... And none of the other police really seemed to think anything of them. They kind of just thought they were inconsequential to the yeah. crime scene. Again, he really seemed to be like the only police officer who found these like quote unquote ritualistic aspects uh -huh. noteworthy in any way, shape or form. Everyone else just kind of like animals die in the woods, like kids do shit in the woods. Like it's not a big deal. Sure. While DNA was not being used as a forensic tool at the time, Dr. Douglas Ubelaker, a forensic anthropologist from the Smithsonian, was brought in to examine the partial skull or calvarium. By comparing the x-rays of Karen Marsden's sinuses that had been retrieved from her doctor to x-rays of the partial skull, they were able to determine that the skull definitively belonged to Karen due to the distinctly malformed sinuses on one side, mm. which caused her chronic sinus headaches. Which, I always love shit like this because it's like the whole before DNA, like how yeah. you identified a body like via dental records yeah. or this, like it's fucking crazy to me. When news of Karen's death went public, it was Sunny Sparta, the woman who frequently hosted the satanic meetings at her apartment, who called police with information pertaining to the case. And according to her, it was Murphy who had killed Karen. She told police that she and Murphy were ex-lovers and that Murphy had called her from Texas claiming that she had killed Karen so that they could be together again. Oh, shit. Murphy had relocated to Texas, staying with a friend as part of her witness protection agreement in the case against Andy Malteus. It might be worthwhile to note that Detective Sylvia had previously noticed that when he had seen Sonny and Murphy together, it appeared as though Murphy was trying to hook up with Sonny. Hmm. But according to Murphy, and while she didn't name names per se, she implied that it was Sonny who had originally gotten her into sex work by offering her a place to stay under the condition that she was to engage in that sort of work to earn her room and board, so ah. to speak. So again, the waters are so fucking murky. It's tough to trust people who are aren't on the, on the up and up. Yes, you know? who are on the fringes of society and don't yeah. really have like a reliable reputation and to who, begin like, with. Need to lie to survive. And yes, to do what they got to do. A hundred fucking percent, girl. A woman named Carol Fletcher also came forward with information regarding Karen's murder. 
She was known to run with the Bedford Street slash Harbor Terrace crew and had been lightly affiliated with the case previously when she accompanied Karen on a tour of the Freetown State Forest where Karen brought police to show them where their quote-unquote rituals were held. Carol claimed that both Murphy and Drew were responsible for Karen's murder. She also mentioned that Drew's friend and fellow pimp Carl Davis was also present that night. She admitted that she had been the one to drive the group out to the remote wooded area and was present when the murder took place. After Carol and Sonny's accusations against Murphy, a warrant was issued for her arrest and she was brought back to Fall River from Texas to await trial. Carl Drew and Carl Davis were also arrested and indicted. The men were quickly located as they were both serving short sentences in the county jail at the time on unrelated assault charges. When they began to question her, Murphy made a deal with the district attorney and was moved to protective custody as a cooperating witness. She turned state's evidence and received a deal in exchange for testifying against Drew. Second degree murder with life in prison with the possibility of parole. That's Murphy's deal. Deal? Okay. Yes. So that's what she, she immediately, once she sees shit's going down and like they know what happened, they're connecting all these murders together, et cetera, et cetera. So she's like, I'll, I'll do and, life in prison? Yes. And again. Damn. Yeah. That means like she legit knows where the bodies are buried. Girl. If you're like life in prison sounds great. Sounds cool. Like I have the opportunity to parole. Like I'll take it. I'll take my chances. There yeah. are faces that Amy and I are making. We're making faces. In response to that piece of information yes i'll point this out probably multiple times in the rest of the story from her own account murphy robin murphy is the only one who was at all, all of them. three murders that's a quick getting it's interesting it's interesting to note just take that put it in your back pocket keep it in the back of your mind noted so she makes this deal and she also had an immunity agreement in which she received no additional charges in the murders of Doreen Levens or Barbara Raposa. According to Murphy's testimony, I'm gonna stop right here for a second. This next part is like a lot. It's pretty- so it's trigger warning to everything? Trigger warning to like a lot of shit. FYI. So brace yourself, just FYI, okay. yeah. According to Murphy's testimony, Karen had become a liability. She had witnessed Doreen's murder and had knowingly talked to police. Murphy said Carl Drew was the one who ultimately decided Karen's fate and with the help of Carl Davis, forced Murphy to take part in her murder to prove her loyalty to the cult. Oof. Murphy helped Laura Karen into the car with Drew and Davis. While Carol drove, Murphy and Drew taunted Karen, saying she hadn't kept her mouth shut, that she was going to pay and that Satan would have his toll. Carol drove them down one of the many heavily wooded back roads in the neighboring town of Westport. When they stopped... Drew ordered Murphy to drag Karen into the woods by her hair and a chokehold around her neck. <gasps> Drew tore off most of Karen's clothing and told Carol, Davis, and Murphy to throw rocks at her. Oh my god. He then used a hunting knife to cut <gasps> off one or possibly more than one finger. <gasps> yes. I even read a source that said it was her whole hand. <gasps> yes. Again, conflicting sources. Drew then broke Karen's neck with his bare hands Jesus. before ordering Murphy to slit her throat, which she did. He then wrapped his arms around her from behind and proceeded to literally tear her head off. What the fuck? After that, Murphy claimed that Drew and Davis kicked the head around like a soccer ball before Drew carved an X into Karen's chest with a knife and began speaking in tongues, offering her soul to Satan. He then dipped his thumb in Karen's blood and drew an X on Murphy's forehead. Since I found various versions of the story, and obviously some are far more brutal and horrifying than others, 
I wasn't really sure what to include, and I'm not sure if this stems from media sensationalism of the story or just varying accounts from Murphy, but I did find two sources that claimed that at some point during the murder, Murphy said Drew ordered her to perform a sex act on Karen. Oh my god. Which, yes, I assume means cunnilingus, and uh, I read a version where it occurred before Murray slit her throat, and another where it occurred after. after. Oh my god, I... Uh. I obviously can't say for sure whether or not that happened, but I personally doubt the post-mortem cunnilingus story, if I'm being perfectly honest. The thing I'm having a really hard time with of all of this is the, like, in the name of Satan thing sounds so insane to me. That doesn't mean that people don't buy it. Yes. I'm having a really hard time with this. I'm having a really hard time with, like, people just aren't depraved. And, and are doing it in the name of Satan. I mean, here's the thing. You should be dubious about the Satan aspect of this. Because this, like, Satan worshippers meeting sounded the, like the lamest thing ever. Yes. I'm sure they wore, like, party city hoods that they had the hello my name is tags. <laughs> this is not, like, the dredges of... Like, these people aren't, gonna, aren't after your children. You know what the fuck I mean? No, yeah. I'm I'm having a really hard time with the Satanist, the alleged Satanist aspect of this. And maybe Correct. No, okay. that is correct. I that is you should be hesitant to just be like, yeah, these are Satanists. This and sounds insane. They're just doing this. It sounds insane. And keep that in mind as we continue the okay. story. <laughs> okay. So to dispose of the body, they doused it in gasoline and burned it to ashes while They took her head with them and threw it in another part of the woods. Again, I also feel the need to point out that all of this, and in fact, most of what we know about these murders is according to Murphy. And she's the only person who's present at all three murders by her own account. Yes, by her own admission. Exactly. And I think it's fair to say she isn't the most credible witness. Yeah. She's highly intelligent, but mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. And remember, she's fucking 17 at the time. Shit. This is also a very dog-eat-dog world. It's like, yes. uh, it's it's you getting pinched or it's me. So I need to say and do whatever I need to do to make sure it's not me. Exactly. And she was known for manipulating the people around her. Like, she's dating, she was dating Karen, supposedly, but Karen was afraid of her. Yeah. So... There's just, like, a lot of fucking sketchy shit. So, the media dubbed these three murders as the Fault River cult murders, and the subsequent court trials were a fucking media circus. <laughs> I'll bet. Obviously. It's the fucking satanic panic. So, oh. the press was rabid over the supposed Satanist leanings of Murphy, Drew, and Davis, with headlines screaming of satanic rites, sexual torture, and cult murder. The public absolutely ate it up, and many believed that these four individuals hadn't acted alone and were only the tip of the iceberg, providing fuel for urban legends about large satanic cults still active in the area long after the murders took place. Hmm. Due to the local sensationalized media, it was impossible to hold a fair trial for them in Bristol County, so the case was moved to Worcester County Superior Court. The judge that presided over Carl Drew's trial instructed the jury to disregard any religious beliefs in their verdict as they believed the state had enough of a case without relying on the Satanism aspect. That being said, they made him show his tattoos in court. Mm. Even to the point that, like, 
Sonny has a the same tattoo that he had that was a the Satanist tattoo, I guess. Which is like, okay, so you both had a tattoo of a pentagram? Like, sure, sure. All right, whatever. Great. Which they led the jury and whatever to believe that this was like the sign of a of, sign of a larger yeah yes a group a network of a group Satanists. Satanist dynamic basically relax exactly <laughs> okay in response to questions about his satanic beliefs Drew responded saying quote some of us came to believe in the gothic lifestyle of ancient times where we lived life by night in many ways this was to avoid authority no evil dark macabre nonsense we found interest in what was described as the gothic way end quote which, sure, I should say, like, if you're living on the fringes of society, you're dealing with criminals, you're dealing with drugs, you're dealing with sex work, all of this shit, you already know that society has painted you as, like, a bad yeah. person. So it's like, if that was me, I wouldn't, I'd be like, fuck yeah, like, we worship Satan, like, whatever. Like, it's so insane. It's so and, like, insane. something like a pentagram, it's two of the simplest shapes that exist. Yes, it's a story so like, circle. Oh my god, it's super easy to make. I'm sure I drew many of them because it's the two easiest shapes ever. Exactly. Yeah, sure. So I just think it's like one of those things like everyone already thinks you're bad. So you're just like, yeah, fuck it, we worship Satan and we'll like get together to like have and these, these little things. And really we just like want to hang out. And for all intents and purposes, these are essentially children, right? Yes. They're teenagers, 20s. Yes. I Karen was really the oldest of them at 20 and <laughs> Doreen was 17. Robin Murphy is 17. Like they're fucking babies still basically. Okay, I'm going to have a thought exercise for our Ooh. listeners. Go back into your into the way, way back machine and go into your memory and think about sophomore year of college. No. 15, 16 years old. I don't want to think about that at all. Think about, not college, high school, sorry. Even worse. 15, 16 years old. Think about, like, the, you know, the kid with, like, the, the emo kid who, like, listened to corn and Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yes. Maybe would, like, sharpie their nails black. That was they, me. Right? And would draw pentagrams. Give that person a little goog on the Facebook machine. I guarantee you they're wearing fucking Dockers and are married with like two and a half kids. Yes! Like, because you're a kid and you're like, no one fucking understands me and I'm a fucking anarchist and I'm... Yeah, because you're fucking 16 years old and that's what everyone's fucking like. If you're not the popular kid, that's what you're like. And you're on a spectrum of it. Yes! Of like, you know, emo and wearing like the Jenkos and shit or like... You know, I read ghost stories and my parents don't understand why I'm like this. Like, there's a spectrum. (laughs) For sure. But, like, for the most part, everyone just kind of turned out fine. Yeah. Are they living their best life? Maybe not. Maybe they just fell in line and got married and did the whole white picket fence thing. But realistically, if you think back on the kid that was kind of weird, he's probably like a dude with Dockers and Topsiders now. Who's like, yeah. Like, oh, I uh, had three beers and I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. I'm having a crazy night. Like, you know. <laughs> it's like wild. Yeah. It's wild. So everyone needs to fucking relax on this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so again, he just like, it's like his gothic ways, like his Satanism. Like, He's a fucking I, emo goth. Exactly. Whatever. However, the trial was honestly, and this is my opinion, a fucking shit show. And there it were. It sounds like it. Just, yeah. Just from the like. I mean, this is super unrelated, but look at the fucking tattoos. Look at the tattoos. Like, look at the time period. Like, it's not... Look at the people who are... This is affecting the most. Yes. Like, the police are not like, no, like, let me get your justice for you. Like, no, they're like, eh, these people are, you know, 
already the lowest common denominator, basically, yeah. in their eyes. They're gross and they're weird and they're depraved and they've done this. It's not enough that they could have just murdered people. They have to be in a Satan cult. Yes. That was an, an eye roll, in case you didn't find yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it. There's audible, <laughs> audible eye It was roll. an audible eye roll. So there were allegations of witness tampering, falsified information, insufficient counsel, legal rights violations, and police misconduct all over the fucking place. Drew, who maintained his innocence throughout the trial, was still found guilty and convicted of the first-degree murder of Karen Marsden. Mm -hmm. Regarding his innocence, he said, quote, I was offered a deal four times by the district attorney, Mr. Ronald Pena, before my trial. While I was working on my appeal, I was asked if I would take a second-degree plea as did my co-defendant, Robin Murphy, but I told them to stick it because I am innocent. Mm. I would not accept this as if it were some prize as Robin Murphy did because I had not committed the crime that she had. So no deal was acceptable to me, end quote. Mm. In a letter Carl Drew wrote from prison defending his innocence, he claimed that Murphy had been the one actually responsible for the deaths of Karen, Doreen, and Barbara, and there was no cult that Murphy was, quote unquote, the cult. Mm. He also outlined the ways in which the trial was tampered with and rigged. According to Drew, all three of his witnesses, Maureen Sunny Sparta, Carol Fletcher, and Leah Johnson, Drew's ex-girlfriend, were all manipulated and threatened by DA Ronald Pena and assistant DA David Wexler by telling them, quote, they'd be right alongside me if they didn't say exactly as they told them to, mm. end quote. Sunny Sparta was taken into a back room of the courthouse. Again, this is all according to Drew's letter and threatened by DA Ronald Pena, assistant DA Mr. Waxler, and his public defender, John Berkness. She ended up pleading the fifth because she refused to get up on the stand and lie, but before they took her off the stand, she was screaming, quote, they're making me say this by scaring me. I want to tell the truth, end quote. The judge then ordered her out of the courtroom. According to Drew, Carol Fletcher, who had been present at Karen's murder, originally fled to Washington State because she was afraid to testify at the first trial, but the state police found her and brought her back. She was so afraid to testify, she tried to take her life by jumping out of the window. Fuck! And they treated it as if it were a joke. The court apparently knew that Carol was petrified of Murphy, yet at the start of Carol's testimony, Murphy was at the window of the courtroom door staring at Carol. The court officers finally had to make Robin leave the courthouse while Carol was on the stand. The same night that Robin killed Karen with Carol present, Robin later climbed into Carol's bedroom window at Carol's grandmother's house and told her, we'll be questioned and you better say that both Carls were present and that Carl Drew handed me the knife and ordered me to kill Karen. Carol Fletcher was given complete immunity for her testimony at the first trial and she told the lies that Robin had told her to say. Drew says she tried recanting, but he was never even informed that she did. Leah Johnson had three prostitution cases pending and was threatened with two and a half years for each case against her. They told her they would make sure her children were taken from her mother. Oof. Drew said he found out from the book Moral Remains by Harry Skimmel that his attorney, Berkness, had never defended anyone and had... Oh, shit! Yes. Or had ever been involved in any way with a murder trial. And after Drew's case, he never again practiced criminal law. Yeah, that should not be allowed. Yes. For your public fucking defender? No. And again, he's like, I'm innocent, so it's not a big deal. Like, he wasn't even worried about it at the time, basically, because he was just like, I mean, what are they going to do? Like, oh, sure, I'll take the public defender, like, whatever. You know, that it, it's giving me, like, West Memphis 3 vibes. Yeah. In that how they were these Satanists, which was insane. They were not. But one of them said he knew he wouldn't be convicted because 
God wouldn't let him be convicted for something he Fuck. didn't do. So you have these Satanists. Yes. And he's saying, God, God won't allow this to oh, happen. Girl. And like, I get that. It's like, you want to believe in the justice system. So you're yeah. just like, you're like, okay, well, I didn't do this. So like, I don't even need to worry about Whatever. it. Whatever. Why would the I get The evidence convicted? will show I didn't yes. do this. Yes. As for the other Carl, Carl Davis, as Drew explains, because he came from a well-off family with political connections. Aha, there it is. Davis slipped out of prison after two years, even though he had the same charges as Drew did. Uh-huh. On Davis's first day out of jail, he committed another act of severe harm. Of course he did. He went directly to Sonny Sparta's home with a dagger in hand <gasps> and attempted to kill her. Oh shit. He pummeled her with his fists and then kicked her repeatedly while wearing combat boots. He then plunged the dagger into her head, screaming <gasps> at her, quote, I know Robin told you it was me, not Carl Drew, who helped her, and I'll kill you before I go back to jail, end quote. But, but if you do, you're gonna, though. But you're gonna, yeah. How about also, you like, just let the bygones be bygones? Yes. Also, you're literally and committing your a crime. fucking life. So, like, you might go back to jail for committing this crime, but you literally just got out of jail for another crime. Don't commit the crime. Yes. Don't commit crimes. Bottom line. It's not that difficult. It's very simple. Like, this isn't like a, I need to eat, so I need to steal some food or whatever. No. This is like, I got out and I'm going to murder I'm this gonna bitch. I'm going to murder some bitch. What? Yes. Like, crazy. Sonny's <sighs> neighbor heard the commotion in the hallway and came out of his apartment to see what was going on. Unbeknownst to him, he was walking out into the hands of a murderer, and he ended up with his hand cut off. <gasps> for these crimes, while supposedly still awaiting trial for the cult murders, Carl Davis received a five to seven year sentence. Sonny told anyone who would listen that it was Carl Davis and not Carl Drew who had helped Robin Murphy with her crimes, but it fell on deaf ears. Mm. As for Doreen Levesque's murder case, it never went to trial. The district attorney claimed it would be a costly exercise in futility that would, best case scenario, simply result in a second life sentence for Carl Drew. All of the charges against Drew and Willie Smith, the man who supposedly assisted him in the night of her killing, were quietly dropped. Of course. Since Robin Murphy had taken a plea agreement in exchange for her testimony, she was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. Hmm. However, in 1984, there was a shocking turn of events when Murphy recanted her entire testimony against Drew in an unsuccessful bid for a new trial. Yep. She said she believed he had belonged in jail, but knew justice was not taking place so she made the story up. She also claimed that she was not actually present for Barbara's murder and admitted to lying so that Malteus would be convicted as payback for sexually abusing her. Several other witnesses also recanted their trial statements, <sighs> claiming that they were pressured by police or were under the influence of drugs at the time. Carol Fletcher maintains that she was threatened by police into making her false statements in order to convict Carl Drew. She now claims that the murder did not even take place in the woods, and instead she says Murphy killed Karen at the Harbor Terrace and that the body was dismembered and dumped at various locations. She said, quote, They were fighting, and Robin started pulling Karen's hair out of her head. I saw Robin put the knife toward Karen, and I ran off. I was scared, end quote. Even after the case was closed, one of the lead detectives, Detective Carey, who was the same one who brought the beer, went to the satanic ritual, uh-huh came forward and said he believed Murphy had been the real ringleader, not Drew. Carrie said, quote, I am convinced that it was Murphy, not Drew, who ran the whole cult and prostitution ring. Murphy was the dominant personality in the cult and had the motives to commit the slayings. To this day, I am still not satisfied that Drew was present at any of the murders. 
end quote. He was also vocal about his theories on Murphy's motives, saying he believed Doreen was murdered because Murphy was in love with her and became jealous when Levesque started seeing Drew. He believed Murphy and Karen were present when Levesque was killed and thinks Murphy killed Barbara because Barbara was in love with Malteus. He also believed Murphy killed Karen because of the two previous murders. On May 3rd, 2004, after 22 years in prison, Robin Murphy was granted parole. What the fuck? After her release, she got a job with Suzanne Bump, the state auditor, who touted her rehabilitation and felt she deserved a second chance. Oh, go fuck yourself. This whole fucking thing, dude. No. Almost a year after her release, on February 1st, 2005, Superior Court Judge John P. Connor Jr. denied Carl Drew's motion for a new trial. Drew's lawyer argued that the ineffectiveness of Drew's previous lawyer, new eyewitness testimonies of the murder, and injustice resulting from cumulative errors warranted a new trial. Yeah. Murphy herself testified at the evidentiary hearing that her testimony against Drew at the trial was bullshit, was fabricated 100% and molded by former prosecutors and investigators. When asked what happened on February 8th, 1980, the date of Karen's murder, Murphy claimed that she had no recollection of the day. Oh, how convenient. Right? She doesn't remember what she told the representatives of the district attorney's office on April 29th through May 1st of 1980 and that she doesn't remember testifying at the trial that the defendant killed Karen Marsden. Despite this, Drew was not granted a new trial. Mm. Connor claimed that all of the witnesses who recanted their testimony were not credible witnesses and that they did not prove that there were cumulative errors that resulted in an injustice to Drew. On July 19th, 2011, Murphy was found in the company of a known felon, which was a violation of her parole terms, and she was sent back to prison. Great. Good, yes. In March 2017, Murphy applied for parole but was denied. She will be eligible for parole again in 2022. She continues to serve her sentence at MCI Framingham. Carl Drew is still serving a life sentence at the MCI in Shirley, Massachusetts, with no possibility of parole. Drew has exhausted his appeals, and his attorney has said they intend to contact the Innocence Project for assistance. Mm. Before his death, Detective Carey said the case still had life. Doreen Levesque's case was never solved, and since Robin Murphy recanted her testimony, she no longer has immunity for that crime. There is also no statute of limitations on murder, so it's possible she could be tied to that murder through advances in forensic science, especially in the use of DNA. Yeah. And, which I'm super excited about this, in January 2020, it was announced that Epix is developing a documentary series called Fall River. Mm. From the description, it says, quote, 20 years after the trial, the lead investigator became so haunted by inconsistencies in the story that he reinvestigated his own case after he retired. Evidence surfaced bringing the entire story into question. This documentary series will tell the true story of a town caught in the grips of the satanic panic with new witnesses and evidence that shed light on the murders that were thought to have been solved, end quote. And that is the fucking bananas, contradictory, insane story of the Fall River murders. That was definitely not a satanic cult. Was definitely not a satanic cult. Thank you. So this is one of those cases that I feel like is painted very like... A satanic cult did this. Yes! Period, the end. Period, the end. Because the people involved in it happen to be Satanist. As per them. Yes. Which also, what does that even fucking mean? Exactly. But the Satanism was completely tangential to the crimes. It's not the overlying motive. 
it's also very possible that all this talk of Satan was like a power play and like an intimidation yeah. tactic for people like Carl Drew to add this extra level of fear and power over others. They're touted as like these Satanist murders and they're fucking not. Like, sure, these people quote unquote believed in Satanism, but these murders were not committed no. in the name of these Satan. These are just trash people. Yes. And here's the thing. Do I think that Carl Drew was like an abusive, violent individual? Sure. sure. That's what he should be charged with. Yes. Do I think he murdered Karen or Doreen? Beyond a reasonable doubt? No. Which is what you need to actually convict somebody? No. I don't believe this beyond a reasonable doubt that he did this. I think there are huge inconsistencies. Robin Murphy is like the fucking sketchiest fucking sketch who ever sketched. Like, I don't <laughs> fucking know what to think of this whole fucking situation. And it's one of those things like... You killed someone for your own selfish reasons and, oh yeah, like throw a pentagram in there somewhere and like blame Satan. Because like, that's easy. Like, Satan is not your scapegoat. Like, I'm sorry, no. but he's fucking not. No. <sighs> so much conflicting information. Like, I can't even tell you. I'm so fucking excited for the documentary because yeah. this is one of those stories I thought was super cut and dried when I picked it. And then the more I got into it and the more I read about it, the more I just had so many fucking questions When's, when's the doc coming out? I don't know when the documentary is coming out. As it said in January of 2020, they had just announced it's it. It's a production. As a production. So, yes. So, we got to keep an eye on that. Got to keep an eye on that. Yes. E-P-I-X. Yes. Because I, I want to know what the fuck is going on. I have so many questions. Fuck yeah. So many questions. That story was amazing. Thank crazy. you. It's crazy. Fuck Robin. Dude, Yes. I can't wait. Put a fucking Google alert on, um, Girl, I on wanna, this documentary. Yes. I want to see it. I need all the new information. Like, I'm invested now. Like, fuck For dude. sure. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, look out for your doppelganger this week. Fuck, oh my god. I even completely forgot that I did <laughs> that fucking story. I was so wrapped in yours. Look at Guys, there are 50,000 of you roaming the earth. Yes. Spot you can, yours. You can find one. Or actively hide from yours. I respect both choices. I'm fine with that, yeah. Follow us on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at pin up girl mo. You can find me at lobotomy, and that's lobot period 80. Send us all of your true ghost stories, alien stories, cryptid stories, true crime, spooky, weird. We want all the stories. We want them to be true. I there are people who've sent us their like prose, and while their horror that. prose yeah. is lovely and we appreciate it, that is not what we are looking for. Yeah. We want the personal experiences. We want the true shit. Kudos on you. Keep writing. Keep writing. But like, we're not in it for that. Yeah, that's we're not the podcast for you. Yeah. At least we're not going to read your story. Our listener story does come out next week, but we always want your stories. So you can. Email them to us at anotherfuckinghorrorpodcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking. And guys, you know, if you run into your doppelganger, remember to keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.